All those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you everything more. Hello, Marvelites! Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 313. That's 313! Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm halfway to 616. Oh, <laughs> actually, it's not no. true at all, no. mathematically. Come on, <laughs> get on top of your game. Yeah. Anyway, I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Ben Morse, joined by... Tucker Marcus. Hi, guys. Hey. How you doing, Tucker? Doing pretty good. You okay about the Yankees? Uh, I'm totally okay about the... Okay, so for listeners, I'm wearing a Yankees jacket, and I just want to say this is the hard part about wearing any sort of sports clothing, is that I don't I don't really care that much. <gasps> so you're just a fashion boy Cozier. jumping on the fashion. Yeah. Uh, sure. You've if got that's a how you want to care. Fashion. Ooh, uh, fashion boy. I'm pitching this to Axel. By the way, yeah, really. I'm sure he'll love um, that. Yeah. <laughs> sounds right up his alley. But then I just get like accosted on the street by sports fans who think. That I'm, you know, know everything. How and I just have dare to nod they? And smile. How dare they accost <laughs> you on the streets just because you're wearing a very fashionable New York Yankees jacket? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, Goose Gossage is my favorite. Yeah, yeah. he is. Nice shout. Yeah, very good. <laughs> I know older Ryan. Brother. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Good, good. We've all we've moved offices. Yes. Wow. Uh, same crazy. building, different floor. I was sure it would take me a long time to unpack. It took me less than an hour. <laughs> nice. I'm all set up and organized. I got all my stuff up. Yeah. There was Pretty an email yesterday like, everybody's got to be unpacked by noon. So I was like, <laughs> yep. well, I'm skipping this meeting and I'm just getting it done and I put everything and the urgency helped me settle in quicker and yeah. get things where I wanted. I got that nice. email yesterday when I was sick mm. and wrote back to uh, the illustrious Jason Patton. I said, I am sick. What should I do? Never heard back. No. <laughs> no. That's fine. That guy's got one email a day in him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's good. We're, we're, everybody gets to sit closer to each other. It's cool. It's, it's a nice vibe up there. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of new stuff is going to come out of what we're doing and yeah. where we are, and we'll get into that in time. In time. In time. In due time. Yeah. It's nice. Uh, anything else going on in the Marvel world this week? Um, not really. It's, no. you know, what is it? A week before uh, Marvel Studios for Ragnarok. In the USA, I believe it's 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 out in it's out now uh, in certain locations. Yeah. yeah, abroad, yeah. Yeah. Which is really awesome. So that's great. So, so if you're one of our international listeners, Raph, maybe Raph, you've already Raph seen Raph it. Out Raph there. AB. Yeah. yeah. Probably different. Does France get it early? I'm sure. Most of EMEA yeah. uh, gets it early. So that's that's great. Good for you. Enjoy. Congratulations. Uh, by the time this is airing, uh, this is uploaded, I will be hosting a double feature of Blade and Blade 2 oh, at the Alamo yeah. Draft House. Oh, that is nice. awesome. In Yonkers, and I am excited about that, giving away some comics and some uh, original Sin gooey eyeballs. Oh, good. I have some of those if you want more to give away. I've got a whole bag. Actually, I've got a bunch <laughs> of stuff to give away if you want. Should, I may actually talk. take you up on it. <laughs> we should talk. Um, so the, the move has led me with plenty. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so that's super fun. And then, yes, we have Thor. 
following week, Halloween. Halloween. I would love. <laughs> um, I would love anyone who dresses up as a Marvel character. Oh yeah, send us pics. Uh, tag your Halloween costume this year. Mm-hmm. Don't give me like, hey, this is me when I was four years old. Yeah, that screw was just like hobo Spider Man. <laughs> I had the perfect plan this year. Uh, I was going to dress my child as Groot, baby Groot. Mm. I was going to dress my dog as Rocket Raccoon. And I was going to dress myself as Star-Lord. And we'd be all good to go. Be the Guardians of the Galaxy on brand and everything. Uh, But someone did not want to be Gamora. (laughs) And then went and bought another outfit for the baby. So I've been outvoted yet again. So, yeah. That's too bad. It's it's a travesty. It It would have been dynamic. Yeah, I like the th- I like Halloween in theory. In theory, the not idea in of practice. It. No, don't care for much of any of it. No, I can't see you wanting to be interrupted by children at any time. Nope, during your uh, <laughs> off hours. Nope, I don't get dressed up. My wife, she taught herself how to use a sewing machine, sewed, created, and sewed a a, a costume from uh, a show about thrones and games mm-hmm. if you catch my <laughs> meaning yeah mm-hmm. uh, she created a costume wholly herself and it's amazing, amazing. she finished it last night it was great wow. um so that's cool so she's dressing up but you're not correct she's okay. going to a little party or two and without you in. yeah what are you in? <laughs> stay home and play my lord of the rings game there you go feed the cats Makes eat sense. dinner by myself fair enough <laughs> Very happy. It's the dream. Yep. Uh, but so again, yes. If you guys dress up as a Marvel character, uh, tweet it out. Use hashtag This Week in Marvel. Um, we'll check with legal and see if we can share how and what we can share. Yeah, if nothing else, cool. I'll retweet them. Yeah. Maybe we can even put them in the article. That would uh, be cool. Yeah. yeah. We would love that. Instead of the exclusive art we always show. <laughs> but the worst. <laughs> shout out to Jim Zub. Zub. Uh, Zubby. We were talking the new Avengers mm-hmm. weekly, weekly Endeavor. Yeah. We showed that art and yeah, Jim, yeah. you know, helped share it out and get Signal people. boosted it. It was great. Yeah. A lot of Jim. people were excited about that yesterday. Yeah. And it, I mean, Pepe Laura's pages? Pepe Laura's pages. Um, I think we showed more than just Pepe Laura's pages, actually. So gorgeous stuff. Yep. Um, Absolutely. It's great. Yeah. All right. So if you're just joining us, uh, we're going to get into all the new comics out this week. Single issues, collections, digital, print, all that good stuff. Everything. Talk a little news. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then get to your questions and comments. Use the hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel on Twitter. Or you can email us at twimpodcast at marvel.com. And then we'll talk about them in a future episode. Next week is our Twim URC. First Twim URC holiday special. Yeah. First of many. Have, yeah. you, read, have you read the books yet? I have not yet, but. Um, I started on Spider-Man's Tangled Web number 21, which I think is going to be really good. It's a uh, Darwin Cook, J-Bone oh my gosh. extravaganza. Oh, uh, they doing Them doing a nice little Christmas story, so that should be a nice treat for us. And then we got a holiday special to read, too. Terrific. I'm looking forward to it. Hope you guys uh, read those with us and send your questions and comments using hashtag Twim URC for next week first up my i think i'm going first yep you're first all new wolverine number 26 uh written by tom taylor art by juan beautiful art by juan cabal just amazing god great stuff we just had another book by juan cabal maybe it was the other all new wolverine (laughs) issue no juan cabal before doing this did i want to say it was it wasn't bullseye it was either Electra or Kingpin. It was one of those running with the He Devil definitely series. did Electra. Yeah. Um, but there was an, like an issue recently. Of, of Maybe it was just all new yeah, 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 it was. Yeah, so Juan's doing incredible work. Really good. And beautiful colors by Nolan Woodard. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I'm starting something new now for the podcast. I've got a new. I, I cracked open a fresh new notebook. <laughs> nothing, I'm taking, like, nothing like a fresh new notebook. You know, handwritten notes. No. Old uh, school. Yeah. So my notes for All New Wolverine was Naked Dokken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love uh, seeing that. Mm-hmm. I do. Sarah plus Laura. Gabby! Exclamation point. Miramasa Blade? Question mark. This is this is a real uh, peek into your psyche. <laughs> Regrow arm? Question mark. So, in in order, uh, Naked Dokken, we get to see uh, Naked Dokken being tortured, mm-hmm. sort of dissected and pulled apart by these awful, awful people who are at the sort of the core of this mystery from the last issue. Well, do we know that they're awful, awful people? We don't really get to know much about them. And we know Dawkins not exactly the nicest guy in the world, so maybe they have a reason to be, you know, tearing him apart and taking his arms off and stuff. I mean, violence is not always the answer to violence. All right, but I'm just saying we don't have enough information to judge. Look at those beautiful Uh, uh, 12-panel grids. Yeah, beautiful grid art and, 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 like, Nolan's coloring of mm. blood throughout this is you know like the reds are very stark pops and it definitely pops it was one of those things that i noticed uh but yeah docking is naked on a table getting you know <laughs> sliced and diced and he's missing an arm and i wanted i wanted to know can he i get he can't regrow the arm but mm-hmm. can it be attached like we saw the arm was completely severed and they were using it i think he can regrow it yeah, I think that's how their healing factors work because every think of all the times that like Wolverine's, Wolverine's just, been reduced to like bones and he grows back his skin and all that junk. It's true. Um, or when Deadpool gets yeah. his, his frequently lost arms and legs and yeah. throws them back, so I think he can grow it back. All right, well, good for him. Hopefully, he gets that <laughs> arm back soon. Um, I think it was one of his tattoo arms too. Yeah, yeah. that's the worst. That is oh. have to get it redone, right? Yeah. <sighs> Time and the money. I wonder if the... they take the time to notice that. Well, I'm going to throw that out to the editors of Marvel Comics. His, if his tattoo arm got removed, then do you note that for future comics? Oh, you mean other books where documented? Yeah, appear? if he shows up, I want him to not have tattoos because <laughs> yeah. he lost his tattoo. Well, arm. he's got some tattoos on his body. Yeah, no, it's... but not on the arm tattoos. Yeah, the I arm... know from uh, following Mark Peniche on Twitter that I'm very excited that uh, Dawkins coming back to Iceman soon. Ooh. So when he shows up there, he better not have arm tattoos or I'm coming after you, Mark Peniccia. Yeah. You better panic, panic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I had that. Uh, Gabby in here has two so really great. delightful, yeah. a couple of great moments, but like the way that she's drawn and written, uh, she's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> one of my other notes was Sarah and Laura. Mm. Sarah being uh, Laura Wolverine, her mom, who she, Laura, was, we thought, killed her. Yes. Years ago, when she was a younger kid, she her trigger sent happened and she murdered her mother. It was this heartbreaking scene. Craig Kyle and uh, Chris Yost uh, writing that story. And it was, it was brutal. Mm-hmm. And here we see maybe that wasn't the end of that tale. And Laura kept alive, part of something, uh, and used in this story. Now, there's something nefarious going on Definitely. here. Definitely. Without question. On a number of levels. So I don't want to dig too much into that, but there's this beautiful scene where uh, Sarah and Laura like have this tender mother-daughter moment, and it's just like, 
to break your heart. And then you flip over the next page, and it's Gabby being like, yes, I'm also your daughter. We're going to have... Uh, I'm sure this comes as a, as a bit of a surprise, but I promise I'll make the bonding transition smooth. I've already planned some intense but quality mother-daughter time. We're going to start by binge-watching eight movies where princesses smash the patriarchy, and we're going to braid Jonathan's hair. <laughs> I love her so much. She's great. She's such a great character. Tom does such a great job with her voice and keeping her super fun and quirky and and amazing. Um, and then what else did I have? I had so the Muramasa blade. Mm, yes. So they they go into some detail, but that was developed in Wolverine Origins, right? By Daniel Way mm-hmm. and uh, the late Steve Dillon. Yep. Were the ones who came up with that. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's a terrifying weapon because mm-hmm. it can kill. You know, the Wolverines of the world yep. for goodsies. Yeah. So. Uh, no take backs. That being back in play is, is a scary thing for mm-hmm. all the characters. Uh, and those are were, those were the gist of my notes, but it's a gorgeous art uh, throughout the issue, from the colors to all the, the actual uh, pencils and line work. Uh, and there's an interesting mystery that we really dig into in the last couple of pages of like, wait, what is actually going on? Who's mm-hmm. actually doing what? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I'm fully intrigued by this one. Mm-hmm. My first pick is Black Panther number one sixty six. It's the intro to Marvel Legacy uh, for T'Challa, uh, written by Tanahasi Coates, pencils by Leonard Kirk. I believe this is his first uh, issue. First Black Panther issue, yeah. Uh, and but not his first comic. Tucker. Of course, no, he's been around a couple few years. Tuck. Yeah, he's been around the block I've heard, a few times. I've Tuck. heard. I've heard the name whispered before, uh, and it's it's a. I mean, this issue was epic. It was just so epic. I actually heard at Comic Con. It might have been during the uh, uh, the panel with Jason Reynolds that mm-hmm. Tanasi did. I believe I I remember him talking about an issue that he that was coming out where he barely wrote anything for it and he was saying about he was talking about his transition from uh being an essayist and a journalist into comics and how he had to learn to just use so many fewer words and i don't know if he was talking about this issue but it very well might have been because it's all narrated uh by a single character we get a a quick flashback in the first couple of pages uh and then there is uh like a energy warp where this dude appears in uh, not just any dude. Yeah, this dude. Talking. Well, I'm 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 being dramatic. This dude <laughs> appears in the uh, in Azania, and that dude is Ulysses Claw. <laughs> Very dramatic. Wow. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much. Uh, but th- I don't know if there's any dialogue in this entire There's, there's no dialogue, dialogue yeah. in the issue. Uh, uh, it is all the, the captions and the narration. Mm-hmm. It's really wonderful. It tells us this kind of... Uh, it gives a great humanity to Claw in a really interesting way that talks about his, his childhood, his difficulty with his father in particular, and his relationship with his sister. Uh, whom we saw uh, was lobotomized uh, at like a mental facility Mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of his work here and why he has uh, kind of this, uh, I don't know, this this drive behind him in a a strange way is for her. Yeah. Uh, And well, what you said, I think, is is really the key thing there. The humanizing of Claw. Claw 
And I think he's always been kind of a muster, mustache twirling yeah, villain, and this right. really gives him some depth. I think it, it humanizes him, and it also elevates him. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that we you know we talk about once in a while, where mm-hmm. you take a character who, yeah, whatever you know, like I think of Claw as just like a goofball. I think mm-hmm. of him as as a, a Marvel superhero, Secret Wars, mm-hmm. like side character oh, or toy. He was or, weird and super, you know, Wars. like super weird. Yeah. He's like, oh, he's made a sound. Eh, and they, like whatever. chopped him into the little slices, the little and slices, stuff. and he's all freaking out, and yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. All that, and then this elevates him in, in his level of like danger, prominence, importance. Mm-hmm. Because you you look at Black Panther as one of the premier characters, and this is his, I would argue, his, his top yeah, arch villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and this that that should mean a lot, and it, ha- it hasn't always. Mm. And now mm-hmm. it really like this issue in particular. You you give this to someone, you're like. That's Claw. Yeah. yeah, he's a scary dude. Yeah, he's scary and he's three dimensional. All of a sudden, yes. he's like he's he's got that Magneto, Doctor Doom, nobility to him, yeah. where he's doing this for a reason that we might not agree with, mm-hmm. but we can at least understand yeah. and say, all right, well, he has he has his own uh, basis for why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah, and he's come to Wakanda for the blood of the nation, as he says, for the vibranium. No. Uh, he, he comes for vibranium yeah. because he's using reverbium. Mm-hmm. Is that a? I don't know that. Never heard of that before. Okay, so that could be a new thing. Yeah. So they they introduced like this this nation. What is it? Enzia and um, Azania. Azania. Thank yeah. you. Uh, which is on the border of mm-hmm. Wakanda, and so like they the reverbium is a man-made mm. sort of facsimile of vibranium it's no vibranium it ain't no vibranium, mm, no vibranium. uh and so I, I found that really interesting yeah. like think of how powerful and and more badass he would be if he got the vibranium and kept it the mm. way that he wants mm-hmm. to mm. and there's a great kind of montage at the end uh, underneath his narration where he says, now I prepare to drink in vibranium, the blood of this Wakanda, to ascend and take on my new name. Do you know what these degraded ones call me, Julia? That's his sister. They call me God. Uh, over like, Oh, man! Yeah, just, <laughs> That is so sick. Yeah, and, and there's this cool page of yeah. like the, his followers mm-hmm. with their like red like energy mark on him. Uh, it's it's really, really cool. There's another little touch I loved in this issue where, yes, it's all about elevating Claw mm. and Claw's talking about the people he's rolling with. He's like, you know, He kind of demeans each of them. Except there's uh, one of the characters, the like sort of, uh, she's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the mystical character yeah, of, of the crew and he's like, she even scares me. Mm-hmm. Something like that. And I was like, Ooh, that's nice and like it's good. That, mm-hmm. There's a cool little thing to throw in there because I feel like that's got something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, first issue of Claw stands supreme. The first arc. legacy uh, issue yeah. of yeah, Black yeah. Panther. Uh, and uh, man, couldn't be more excited about this. Agreed. We've got a big transition issue for Moon Girl and well, not Devil Dinosaur anymore with number mm. 24. Uh, Brendan Montclair wrote it. Natasha Bustos does the wraparound sequence at the beginning and the end but we get a bunch of short three short stories here we basically this is an epilogue to the girl moon story where moon girl left devil dinosaur back in the valley of flame decided he belonged there and she needed to get on with her own life she comes back to the present uh in the first um the first story written uh still written by brandon montclair with art by ray anthony height she meets the x babies who are now being called the new x-men and mojo Mm -hmm. 
Big week for Mojo. He is everywhere, everywhere. you want him to be. <laughs> Basically, it's it's crazy. She's in Mojo World. She's seeing all these Mojo civilians. I love that all the civilians are just like different body shapes with Mojo heads. It's pretty disgusting and weird. Um, she, Mojo tries to get her under contract. She insists that this will not work. She runs away from Mojo World straight into the second story, which is drawn by Domo Stanton. You may remember from Starbrand and Nightmask not too long ago. Uh, they draw, they put together a story about three ghost riders. You've got, I believe, Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider, the normal ghost rider. Then you've got a little kid ghost rider on a scooter. Then you've got an old-timey ghost rider on one of those bicycles where the front a, wheel is huge. A penny farthing. A penny farthing. Thank you. Wow. Thank you, fashion boy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I will say that uh, one of my notes for this was old-timey ghost rider. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. And I'm really impressed again by your note-taking. You know? It's really <laughs> like next-level stuff. <laughs> Dialed right um, in. So they have a nice race uh, that gets Moon Girl across town for an appointment she has to make drawn by Michael Shelfer where she is seeing Daredevil. Well, she's seeing Matt Murdock. Basically, she needs to get out of a, the contract from Mojo from earlier in the story. This is just wham, bam, bam stuff like there's action on every page there's stuff going on it's very fast moving uh daredevil determines that he's got to discourage this girl from being a superhero she's too young she's only nine but then the hand attacks moon girl so daredevil comes in and helps her she gets a few of her own licks in it's cool we get to see moon girl's offensive capabilities a little bit um and i love that he says, why is the hand after you? And she goes, ninjas are not my bag, and this is your neighborhood. I think it, more, it makes more sense that they were after Daredevil, not Moon Girl. I think I saved you. Just great. Awesome voice that Brandon Montclair gives to Moon Girl. And on the final page, she finds two new recruits who are going to be her new partners. We've got an awesome setup for the Marvel Legacy portion of this series. We're going to see Moon Girl teaming up with none other than The Thing and the Human Torch to form the Fantastic Three. Uh, a new Fantastic Three. A there new has Fantastic been, Three. I'm pretty sure there's been a Fantastic Three before. With who? I, I can see it on a cover, but I don't okay. know who it was. I'm gonna I'm gonna trust your uh, your memory there. Yeah. Um, Guys, are we the Fantastic Three? Mm. Okay, so coming up in Moon Girl, we're going to see the Fantastic Three story. Very excited. What happened to Devil Dinosaur? Will we ever get him back? What is the evolution of Moon Girl? Just great stuff from Brandon Montclair and his collaborators. Yeah. All right. Um, we don't need to go in alphabetical order. Screw the alphabet. I'm yeah. going to go next yeah. with Silver Surfer number 14. <laughs> 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 I'm going to say this that right now. Ben. Yeah. This is a perfect comic book. Oh, my God. So good. Perfect yeah. comic book. It is a perfect story. Perfect art. It is a complete one and done, but so expansive and tells such a fully realized encapsulation of what made this book, this creative team, and the relationship of these characters so perfect. It, it, it is it is the only uh, I, I can't have imagined this book ending any other way. And, and this having, is the final issue. We this is know. the final issue. Yep. Um, this is like I it, the last issue ended with Dawn Greenwood dying. Yeah, of she, old age. of old age. She had lived her life, and Silver Surfer saying goodbye. And, like, that could have been the end of the series. That's, to me, I was like, where do they go from here? Where, How can they possibly have another issue in them? And this right. is why, just one of the things that makes this and it was so incredible. The the thing that was is they were in the pre-universe. Mm-hmm. 
they were not in the universe that we are in now, the Marvel Universe, the, the, the current iteration of time and space, Silver Surfer had to come back. And this is the story of Silver Surfer coming back from the dawn of pre-dawn of time. He he ri- he hitches a ride on Gallon of Taz uh, uh, a spaceship yeah, to sure. to get through. Uh, yeah, whatever you would whatever call a spaceship. Yeah. to get through and break from one reality to another. Uh, uh, the the creature that would become Galactus. Then you have. Uh, Silver Surfer there at the dawn of time. And in the first two pages, you see him release Dawn's energy mm-hmm. and says, uh, though this is the end of our story, story, Dawn, know this, I will never forget you. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. That's the end of page one and page the beginning yeah. of page two. That, Amazing. That could have been like... <laughs> He goes from one reality to like all those things happen right. in the space of that could happen over three issues. Yeah, and no, Dan Slott, Mike, and Laura Allred, and the the rest of the editors and and creative team give us so much more. Mm. It's the birth and and seeing uh, Silver Surfer seeing the birth of eternity mm-hmm. in this universe, um, and and seeing the birth of the Watchers. And then he Stars takes on the uh, the role yes of Norville, who we've seen throughout. Uh, Dan and Mike and Laura's run on Silver Surfer, and we never knew who this weird-looking guy was. Now it all finally adds up. It's playing the long game, people. Perfect. Perfect stuff. Dan Slott and the All Reds, perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, we're seeing the emergence of the mighty Galactus. It. This is a a single issue that spans millions of years. Mm-hmm. Realities. Uh, you see Norville take us through so many steps, take us through this, you know, Galactus becoming who he is. Which that is art, so, man. Oh, my God. That Allred Galactus uh, is something to behold. It is so much the Allreds, but also so such a loving representation of what Jack Kirby created. Mm-hmm. And you see how Silver Surfer, Norn Rad, Norville is so tied to Galactus and and that story and what's going on here. And you could, like, that could be it. And we've, Silver Surfer has now lived millions of years getting to this point. And then we go to Earth and we see young Don Greenwood and in scenes that we'd never seen before. And how uh, Norville, who is Norville mm-hmm. in his civilian disguise, goes Ryan's to. Ryan's using air quotes. Guys. Air quotes. You can't see them, yeah. but he's using them. Uh, he goes and becomes a part of. The Greenwood life mm-hmm. and and them and their uh, growing up and it's like this really sweet, beautiful story of him being a part of her life for just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. He's at again. He's lived millions of years. This is a blink of an eye to the Silver Surfer, but being able to experience and see, you know, the person that he would know he would come to love was just incredible. And all this is being told through Silver Surfer actually telling this story of all these events, this history, to a group that we don't know yet. Um, and then he starts telling a story of the whole Silver Surfer series with a slightly different take on it, a different perspective, a look at it from the Norville point of view. Sort of the separate but observant uh, third party and recounting all the amazing adventures that we've gone on through these, what, like 30 issues, Something somewhere like around yeah, there. Yeah. Um, and, and sort of almost catching up to where we are and seeing uh, 
uh, Silver Surfer talking to um, Forever Queen, the Forever Queen, and Eternity, uh, and getting to the point where he's back to where he was before he and Dawn hitched a ride mm-hmm. back to the other reality. Uh, he sees Dawn's sister, uh, and he has to break the news that she's gone. Mm-hmm. And like, how do you explain to someone that just days ago your sister was here? And now she lived a full life and has. And I've lived home. a million. I've lived millions of years, and I saw your your sister, my love, die. Mm-hmm. She's gone. Like it, the scope of it is so incredible. Finally, though, we get to see that who he was talking to and sort of what his purpose was mm-hmm. uh, in in reliving some of these things, and especially going back to Earth to see Dawn's family. He goes back, and he's been telling the story to another callback to a previous story in Silver Surfer, where Surfer and Dawn had visited this planet, and they were holographic versions of these people and how they lived, and it was a... They weren't quite the real people, but they were very much real in, unto themselves. Mm-hmm. And there's a Dawn who lives there, and maybe there could be something more, and he brings Eve and the family and their father and this beautiful thing, and this Dawn mm. has a real like affection and love and it's it's a beautiful thing and it's this is silver surfer saying goodbye to the truest like yeah you could say he had shalabao right but that was that to me pales in comparison absolutely to to dawn and like uh, like you mentioned with dan slut saying the long game the long game naming her dawn Mm. and we see how that ties into the story here at the yep. end and what Silver Brilliant. Surfer did. Like, this part, I was, like, sitting... It was the it was Friday. Mm-hmm. I had moved out most of my stuff. It was, like, a big change. I was feeling a little glum, and I read this, and it, like, it got me. Yep. It hit me. This issue was so emotional and such a perfect cap to one of my favorite runs of comics. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, you've got... There's so many little bits and pieces. And then at the end, how Surfer says goodbye, but will keep Dawn with her mm-hmm. as he moves forward. It was it was perfect. Yeah. Nothing more to say. It was an incredible comic book. One of the best. Wow. We just, we just last week said Door 700 was one of the best we've read all year. This is right up there, too. 100%. We've had two best of the year quality books in two weeks back to back yep oh man and now i gotta follow up just like i had to do with thor 700 anyway hey come on you got <laughs> it on, uh all right uh i have uh the punisher number 17 written by becky clunan art by matt horak colors by lee lowridge and this is becky's final issue with old frank castle it's the whole team's final issue the whole team's final issue that's yeah. right uh and we'll touch on more on that uh, at the end, but we have the final showdown between Face and the Punisher Frank Castle. Uh, uh, the Frank is outside of a movie premiere where the Face has taken over. He's taken people hostage. He's projecting a uh, video of himself all around Times Square. He uh, kills a couple of hostages. It's brutal. Uh, there's a great moment as Frank needs to infiltrate the movie theater to get, uh, to get Face, and he says... Uh, uh, he just walks up to the security guard and says, I'm sorry. <laughs> and he's like, for what? And he just, before he can finish that, he says, you'll wake up soon. And he puts <laughs> him to a sleeper <laughs> and goes inside. Uh, I, there, there's like characters in here that remind, like made me hear 
the pimple faced teen from Sim- the Simpsons. Yeah. Nah. There. Oh, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he runs into this real jerk loser. Uh, dude of a filmmaker who is just uh, just exploiting the danger and gore around him to make a a, a quote realistic uh, I guess like film uh, and Frank uh, ends up showing down uh, showing down with the uh, with face on the on the stage at the theater uh, they end up. Uh, crashing through the floor through like a, a little theatery trapdoor thingy uh, and uh, that's the, f- the actual theat- theater yeah. Term. yes yeah. yes I've treaded the boards in the past thank you very much and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Anyway, uh, face ends up getting caught in the cogs of the underbelly. Oh, so gross! Yeah, of the what a way to go of the stage. Tucker, is this gets, an all ages book? Absolutely not. We got your big old uh, parental advisory, not for kids Good. Good. logo right on the front. In that uh, same page where he gets put into the gears, my note here was upside down vomit director. Yep. Yeah, vomit yeah. Director. And I love the way uh, Matt Horak draws the face of the guy as uh, he's vomiting. It just looks so bizarre. Yeah, Matt's yeah. faces. Yeah. yeah, he draws really great. Faces. Yeah, the, the 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 film director witnesses that go down and barfs all over himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, uh, you know, he wants to make a deal with the Punisher. He likes his style. He likes how he does things. And Frank just says, "Okay, I'll give you something. We'll do something here." And he just gives him his shirt and his uniform and tells him to go outside and, and receive the plot. It's little does he know he's immediately tackled to the ground by the police who are after Frank. Uh, and Frank then gets changed himself into a real dapper suit, a nice tux that we see him uh, wearing on the cover, and he, uh, in his uh, Frank Castle way, strides off into the New York City night. Uh, and that's it uh, for this creative team on The Punisher. I thought it was great. There were some really awesome just one-off stories, some great stuff, uh, great stuff with the face. Uh, that I really enjoyed. Uh, I I think I think Becky really does a killer job with oh, this yeah. character. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. And, and there's great notes in like their like goodbye letters. A lot of love for Steve Dillon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hats off to Matt for like following Stepping in. Yeah, following the of, impossible. Yeah, one of the greatest artists in my mind uh, we've ever had, and following him on on. His Punisher. signature character. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it was really well done. And then another shout out in the uh, one of the last pages, they actually give a cover gallery. Yeah, which uh, is great to see all of uh, Declan Shalvey's co- covers. Declan and Jordy. And Jordy, thank yeah. you. Um, the covers and the thing that you know we've talked about it many times how the Punisher symbol was hidden throughout, and there's some information in here of how I think it was Becky talked about how. Punisher is like the the villain in a slasher movie, mm-hmm. that like men like that menacing thing, and sort of hidden and working that into the theme of the covers. It's it's really so good. Yeah. Uh, and coming up next for Frank is uh, Marvel Legacy and Punisher number two eighteen. Matthew Rosenberg's taking over as Frank gets the War Machine armor, yeah. and that is going to be badass. Should be very exciting. All right, I'm going to wrap up with U.S. Avengers number 11. I don't think we talk enough about U.S. Avengers on this show. Sure It's don't. such a fun book. It's yep. such crazy, smart superhero stuff going on. Uh, this issue written by Al Ewing, art by Paco Diaz, colors by Jesus Abertov. Um, we start with Cannonball 
in seemingly it says outer space definitely outer space but he seems <laughs> to be in like small town america he's talking to this guy who if you've read a certain line of comics seems very familiar it seems like there's a neighborhood huh. right near where i live mm-hmm. i live in in inwood manhattan and there's right, a right, neighborhood right. right near us yeah. the neighborhood is is in is uh riverdale in riverdale. the bronx so right. it's the bronx neighborhood riverdale kind of yeah. reminds me of riverdale yeah. in the bronx yeah exactly huh. riverdale in the bronx that's huh. what's that anyways uh mr mason howard mason is showing cannonball around he's got Cannonball, of course, was kind of lost in space during the whole invasion of the Chitari. He got separated from everyone. They know he's still alive. They're out looking for him. He's all chained up. They let him loose and say, hey, man, you're going to teach us how to be human. This is going to be great. And then this familiar-looking fellow in a varsity jacket with red hair shows up and says, uh, basically, the, Mr. Mason freaks out and he goes, hey, your majesty, I mean, Mr. Redwood, sir, and uh uh, Redwood just said, Richie Redwood just says, "Get into character now, or I'll swear I'll do to you what I did to Bugface Brown." It's like, what the heck is happening? This is crazy. And, and Cannonball says it for us because then Richie introduces himself. He's like, "Hey, man, I'm Richie Redwood. You know, Glenbrook's typical teenager. How you doing? Everything's normal." Cannonball just goes, "What the hell is going on around here?" <laughs> Meanwhile, we've got Roberto da Costa, Citizen V, his best friend, and Izzy Kane, Smasher, his. Uh, wife are looking for him they've got the remains of the u.s avengers it's now red hulk who is red all the time he's uh, general robert maverick who basically doesn't need to be on the team anymore but he wants to still be with the red hulk he's like addicted to it dr tony ho who is a, is now in charge of uh, advanced idea mechanics and is has abandoned her iron patriot uh identity of course squirrel girl and then enigma rounds out the group they are going through space looking for cannonball they're also kind of adjusting to the changes that have come to their lives in the wake of secret empire uh the shiar helping them out and then this group of gangsters shows up in the middle of space just craziness abounds meanwhile back in glenbrook Wait, uh, you brushed over that I brush over? so quickly what I brush over? <laughs> i'm coming of, back to them okay the, we, you, we you come back said, to them you said a group of gangsters in space like that's a group of normal. gangsters in space this this here is little rico speaking Top torpedo for the big boss, Don Scarpone. See? Yeah. They're like Tommy gun wielding, yep. like like 30s era New York City or Chicago era gangsters mm-hmm. in space. So then we're back in Glenwood and we've got just all these typical teens talking to Sam. Sam is again. <laughs> I love Sam's lines here. I've been patient, son, but you need to start answering my questions. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> if you read them in the, you know, like the Sam Guthrie southern accent, it sounds even better, which I failed to do right there for some reason. <laughs> um, but we've got the two girls who are Richie's love interests and uh, this guy who seems to be kind of his rival, uh, all being kind of weird. They just, you know, keep uh, – they just keep – kind of alluding that there's something more to this than just typical town. I don't know where Al came up with the idea to do this, but I think it's brilliant. I love it. And then Cannonball finally remembers, you know what? He says, damn shenanigans, I swear. And then flies off because he's got rocket legs. Uh, He runs into one of the kids who suddenly has a bunch of superpowers. He doesn't get what's going on. Back to the super, the uh, the cosmic gangsters who seem to have a celestial with them. Yeah, I guess it's just a robot who looks like a celestial, but still pretty cool. Very cool. Um, Red Hulk hulks up. He battles them. Squirrel Girl joins in, um, and then 
they give them kind of the scoop on what's going on in Glenbrook. Say the real name of the planet is Crawl X. It's ruled by the Mad Prince, Richie Redwood, with a heart calder and a malt milkshake. <laughs> Good luck getting your friend back in one piece, sweetheart. And then we've got Cannonball thrown into a dungeon where he meets Bugface Brown. Everything starts to make sense. There's even more characters. It's to be continued. That was what I was most excited about is that it's going to be continued because I freaking love this story. It's so fun. It's so crazy. I've been watching uh, the show on the CW that resembles your Bronx neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So of Riverdale? Was, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Riverdale in the Bronx. Right. Yeah. Um, so they share a name. So it was perfectly timed for me to read this issue and just love every bit of it. Yeah. My vet for my cats is in Riverdale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really great Greek uh, food place mm-hmm. is in Riverdale. Uh, good bagel shop in Riverdale. Yeah. There's uh, Riverdale's got it all. It's got a key food. It's got <laughs> pizza. Oh, is it the I I think on Riverdale Avenue? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Maggie doesn't have a microphone, so she's yeah. talking, and it's going to be very difficult for all of you to hear her. Yeah. But anyway, let's do some quick hits. Let me uh, let me kick things off. Do with it up, Dan. Amazing Spider-Man number seven ninety, written by Dan Slott. Art by Stuart Immonen, inks by Wade Von Grawbadger. We've got Spidey meeting up with uh, the Human Torch, who's none too happy with him. First of all, we've got we've got two kind of parallel stories running. We've got Peter and Harry Osborn, and then we've got Spidey and the Human Torch. Arguably, Spider-Man's two best friends because you've got Harry in his civilian identity, and then Human Torch in his superhero identity. They're both super pissed at him, uh, Torch, because. Spidey lost the Baxter building and it's going to be sold. Uh, that's one of the only ways they can make back all the money that they lost when Parker Industries collapsed. Harry, meanwhile, uh, is um, pissed off at Peter because he keeps running off, doesn't know that he's going off to become Spider-Man. And then you throw Clash into the mix. Mm-hmm. The villainous, the quasi-villainous Clash and all sorts of craziness ensues. Uh, Harry gives an ultimatum by the end. Human Torch makes the decision by the end. It's all really fun stuff. It's great stuff. Just uh, And there's stuff with Aunt May and Mockingbird and everything that's going on in the Amazing Spider-Man series. It's just really fun. It's really great. Uh, I did want to make a uh, note of Stuart Eminem and the rest of the art team, as always. So it was incredible. Yeah. But there's the I think it's like the first or the second page where Peter is apologizing and mm, settling yes. with various people. And at the panels, you just look at, it's a subtle thing, but Peter's body language and mm. the way he slumps down every panel like yeah. as he's going through all this. It, it's one of those amazing things that Stuart Eminem is just does, as well as there's uh, a room where they get into with like Fantastic Four gadgets mm. and, and machinery, and mm-hmm. it's just such a cool look yeah, at it yeah. all. Oh, love it. Love it. All right, we've got uh, America, number eight, written by Gabby Rivera, art by Joe Canones, Joe Rivera, and Jordan Gibson. Um, this one has uh, some shenanigans going on at Sotomayor. You know who hates shenanigans? Cannonball. Cannonball. Yeah. Doesn't care for them. <laughs> at Sotomayor University, uh, America is sort of reeling and enjoying like the fact that she's not alone. She has some family, uh, and you know she has Madrimar, her grandmother. And all this other stuff, and trying to get back into life at uh, Sotomayor. But we've got uh, just little things that Gabby puts in here, like the DeGrasse Tyson mm, dorms. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love those things. Uh, the art in here is beautiful. Joe Canonis, I love the way he draws everything. Uh, there's also, like, he gives different looks for uh, America at different times. Like, mm-hmm. there's her, like, hanging around. Like, she's just in her, her shorts and her, uh, her like, 
crop top. leggings and crop top and stuff like that when she's down out and about during the day and at night when she's sneaking around she's trying to be a little bit stealthy he's got like her more superhero-y looking outfit mm-hmm. with the hood up and like just the the fashion of everything here Tucker Looks. probably appreciated it as a fashion boy I'm sure you love it <sighs> I was trying to th- Think of a catchphrase. I'll work on my catchphrase. Yeah, work on the catchphrase. Uh, I'll get there. It's great, great stuff. There's mystery and some some bad stuff going on in Son Mayor. Uh, but shouts to the end. We have yeah, uh, we get David Lopez. Yeah, the legacy pages written by Robbie Thompson, by but art by one of my favorites. We love David Lopez. Both people and yeah. artists is David Lopez. And look at this last shot. Amazing. Like this is yeah. this shot of America. That should be a variant cover. Should be probably. it. Should be a poster. Yeah. This should be on... It should be the movie poster. Yeah, if they ever make a movie, yep. this should be the friggin' movie poster. That's it. Right Damn there. it. I love David Lopez. Uh, next up is Ben Riley, The Scarlet Spider, number nine, written by Peter David, art by Will Sliney, colors by Jason Keith. Uh, we s- pick up with a mysterious uh, person who shows up to the airport in Las Vegas. She brings back someone from the dead, question mark, and freaks out her limousine rider, uh, who then crashes. She takes the car and drives away. Then we see the Scarlet Spider, who has met up with Ricochet, uh, who and they're both on the hunt for the Hornet. They team up with uh, this bodyguard dude that Ben doesn't really have much uh, time for. Uh, ben the, Riley. Oh, I was like, Ben, why don't you have no, time for, what is his name, Sloan? <laughs> yeah, Slug, Sloan, whatever his name Sticks is. Sticks and Stone? Yeah. Oh, remember them? <laughs> yep. They were great. Uh, been too long. And then uh, Ben and Ricochet go, and they are looking for the Hornet. They're trying to see what his plans are. Ben goes incognito. and Wait, We're still talking about Ben... Riley. Ben Riley, still okay, Ben great. Riley. Yes. Great, yes. Yep. Thank you. Uh, and puts on this ninja outfit at one of the casinos. Then he ends up showing down. Which is something I actually did. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, he uh, faces off against the Hornet. Uh, Ricochet joins in. The Hornet, though, has a secret weapon, a kind of energy portal dimension creator, and there's some bad stuff coming out of it. Look out, casino. Look out, Ben. Riley. And look out, Ben. Um, so the Slingers, they give some a, a really good, like, quick 411 mm-hmm. on them. Yeah. How long was Peter doing that gimmick? Peter did that gimmick only for a couple months. The, yeah. whole, the whole conceit was that Peter had to retire the Spider-Man identity for reasons I don't they say because remember. there was a hit out on him, yeah, or like there was him. some cause, like there was something out for Spider-Man. So he mm-hmm. created four alternate identities: Ricochet, Hornet, Dusk, and Prodigy. Um, and then once he was done and went back to being Spider-Man, four separate youths took up the mantles of these four characters, and they went on to form a team called the Slingers. And then Hornet got killed by Wolverine, uh, and Ricochet was in Loners. Um, Ricochet, Pro- I love that costume. A great costume. Great, great costume. costume. Uh, Prodigy was a big part of Avengers: The Initiative. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Dusk hasn't really done anything. Aww. Poor Dusk. <laughs> um, but hopefully, we're going to see all of them back in this storyline. We'll see. Okay. Captain Marvel number one twenty-five, the first issue of Legacy: Dark Origins Part One. Margaret Stoll wrote it. Michelle Banditti drew it. We got colors from Eric Arsenigia. And we have uh, Alpha Flight has been shut down. Everyone's pretty down in the dumps about it. Carol feels really bad. Uh, I love this. There's one panel of Carol flying off with her cat, which is just tremendous. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they're, and they're flying off with the cat. And yeah, then the cat also, like, 
clutching at yeah. her shoulder. It's and great. then the like one of the next couple pages has uh, Carol asleep with the cat around yep. her yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, face. Good stuff. And I tweeted that. And mm-hmm. Brian Reed, mm-hmm. one of the characters who helped yep. reinvigorate uh, Carol Danvers several sure. years ago, intru- I guess introduced Chewie into the books yep. back then and said that Chewie was based off of his Chewie mm. who did this very sleeping that's thing wow. with his wife. That's very cool. Wow. So that's a little bit of yeah. business. There you go. That's awesome. Uh, the shape-shifting villain who Carol dealt with in a previous story is still around doing nefarious stuff, breaking into Project Pegasus. Bean shows up. In her energy form once again, but her energy form has now evolved, so she's a little bit older. She's just saying, Carol, something bad is going on. You need to come find me. Carol gets the band back together. They all work towards trying to get them somehow into space so they can track down Bean. Then the shapeshifter shows up. She's working with somebody else. Uh, Carol does eventually get off into space, but then she disappears from the spaceship, and we don't know where she is. We got the next issue says, Enter Zeta Flight. Which sounds very interesting. Mm. Project Pegasus, what's that? Real quick. Project Pegasus is a research and development for crazy objects and stuff. Like uh, Quasar worked there as the security guard. Darkhawk worked there as the security guard. Ben Grimm was involved at one point. But basically, they're just developing technology. A lot of it's centered around different artifacts they collect and things like that. And eagle-eyed uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe viewers mm-hmm. will notice that Project Pegasus was was what was blown up in Marvel's The Avengers, oh, wow. the first movie. I did not know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can see it really briefly, like that's Project cool. Pegasus on one of the walls, yeah. and that's where Loki pops in there studying oh, yeah. the, the uh, Cosmic Cube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Tesseract. Right. Yeah. The Tesseract. Yes, that's what I had said. Um, uh, so they're studying that at Project Pegasus. I always found that to that's be really cool. cool, and I wish we had gotten more of that, but yeah. it's a neat little Easter egg. All right, we've got Daredevil, number 28, written by Charles Soule, art by Ron Garney and Matt Mila. And uh, this one, it's uh, the double swerve here. Uh, Mm. There's a, Uh you know, there was the heel turn where Blindspot turned (laughs) on Daredevil and he was torturing him. And here we get to see that there are more turns of uh, aplenty happening. Daredevil is being tortured by the Beast. Uh, Sam and his mom are trying to escape. There's some really, really interesting stuff with Sam and his mom uh, and wrestling with who they are, their motivations, their morality, all these other things. Uh, Beautiful, beautiful art. Uh, saving, you know, Sam uh, makes some big moves in here, saves Daredevil, uh, but at what cost? There's this gorgeous two-page spread right in the middle yep. uh, where Sam and Daredevil are reacting to the Beast and what happens, and it's just like, yeah, it's, Tucker shaking it's, his head. It's one of my favorite spreads yeah. like I've seen like since starting to work here. Yeah, uh, it and is it, so cool. It's horror. And anguish mm. yeah. done really well on the page. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, more horror and anguish for our heroes to come, I'm sure, mm. because they find out that something big happened in New York City while Yikes. they were away. Yikes. Despicable Deadpool number 288. Uh, Wade Wilson enters Marvel Legacy. It's already in Marvel Legacy. Yeah, this is uh, part two, man. An issue ago, and he's still there. Uh, <laughs> written by Jerry Duggan, art by Scott Koblish, uh, Scott Koblish, uh, and colors by Nick Filardi. We find uh, Cable in a kind of time prison where he's being held by the Time Variance Authority. I was m- yes. one of my notes was TVA question yep. mark. When I put a question mark in my notes, that's I'm going to ask Ben yeah. to elaborate on the that. The Time Variance Authority were a uh, Walt Simonson creation, I believe, 
if not from his time on Thor, then definitely from his time on Fantastic Four, uh, where basically they're they're time cops. They are patrolling the uh, time stream, looking for anomalies and doing anything you expect any sort of chronal-based police work mm. to be uh, taking place. Can they lock down Kang once and for all? I think that's Please. one. I think that's one of their their white whales is trying <laughs> yeah. to uh, trying to get Kang under control. But they uh, they're not very good at their jobs. <laughs> Apparently, they're, they're pretty terrible. Definitely within this. As issue, seen we see here, that. this is this is the general level of competence assigned to the uh, TVA. Mm-hmm. So. It's not out of character here in this issue. Uh, there's something really cool going on where Cable is warning the god, say, warning the warning the guard, uh, saying that Deadpool is already on his way, uh, that he'll have been uh, patrolling, uh, using Cable's arm to uh, to f- to travel the timescape and interrogate the TV any TVA guard that he comes across um, to be able to locate Cable and then come and get him. Yeah. I, I love Jerry's Deadpool. is an idiot, but mm-hmm. he is not stupid. No. He's yeah. Exactly. Yeah. very smart, yeah. very calculating. Yeah. But, I mean, he's a doofus, and that yeah. totally throws people off. And I love this bit that Tucker's at right now where Cable makes a phone call. I don't want to reveal what it is because it's too great. It's yeah, a great it's twist. Who are you going to call? Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Right? Really mm. cool. Cable uh, escapes. Deadpool, as he predicted, makes his way to the prison. They have a fight. Cable reclaims his arm, uh, and uh, it ends very ominously for the titular hero. Guardians of the Galaxy, the Telltale series, number four, written by Fred Van Lente, art by Salva Aspen, colors from Jim Campbell and Matt Yaki. We've got... A nice little tie-in to the uh, Telltale series, the video game that you can play. Is video game even the proper term for it? Yeah, of course. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. You, you know how sensitive I am. Yeah. Uh, we've got stuff going on here with Gamora and Thanos and uh, the Black Order, who means something different in this book than they do necessarily in some other books. The, these, like, creepy alien robot things. Creatures. Yeah. Are those from Infinity? Are those the same creatures? The, that like, are in s- the like Seekers or whatever yeah, they were? Yeah, 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 I think I think they might be. I yeah. believe so. I think uh, we saw a glimpse of them in the Infinity War footage that was shown oh. to only some people. Yeah. Not released yet. Yeah. What? <laughs> Tucker's Tucker's losing it. Oh my. Um, D23 and San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, that is sick. But now uh we've got Drax Cosmo is leading Drax, Rocket, and Star-Lord to try to claim this treasure that he claims is uh, being guarded by the Black Order. Groot figures out a way to go and get the job done. Super efficient. Uh, meanwhile, comes back. Star-Lord is still laying out his elaborate plan to do what Groot has already done in mere seconds. Lots of funny stuff in this book. It's Fred Van Lente, man. It's good stuff. Uh, Rocket pulling out a giant gun when he finds out what Cosmo was after. The Blood Brothers are in the house. Um, there's lots of fighting. There's lots of space action. The art's great from Salva Esman. And uh, Gamora uh, gets gets her some as well. So it's a fun book. Mm-hmm. All right, we've got Jean Grey, number eight. This is the first part of Psych Wars. Psych Wars. Psych Wars. Psych Wars. Uh, written by Dennis Hopeless. Art by Victor Ibanez. I ah, love Victor Ibanez. Yeah, and colors by Chris Sotomayor. Um, and so this puts... Jean Grey, young Jean Grey, following the uh, instructions of the spirit Jean Grey, telling her she needs to go and find this bit of Phoenix Force. She has to do it by going into 
Emma Frost mine mm. and going into Emma Frost mine and Not her memories. Not a place you want to be. No, uh, but it gets like she gets thrust into the time period of the new X Men. Mm. Grant Morrison, Frank Quitely, and a lot of other creators. This is really it was a nice nostalgia trip for me. I really enjoyed. it. Hundred yeah. percent. And shout out to Victor Ibanez for the parts where he needed to channeling. Uh, Frank Quitely and Phil Jimenez mm-hmm. really, really well. Yep. It's like Gene looks slightly different, but the cuckoos look very much like they were drawn by Quitely. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. It's a little touch, and it just looked awesome, but it was, yeah, I just say nice to see these things. Uh, and it's a really weird, trippy story mm-hmm. where, you know, old, like, spirit Gene Gray is telling young Gene Gray, just play it cool. Like, don't set off too many alarms. She has like psychic defenses that they'll try to kill you if they, you know, realize you don't belong there. It's just a really neat story that twists and turns a lot of the things that were going on uh, in the actual time, and it's cool. It's Jean Grey versus uh, the White Queen. Yeah, always cool stuff. Uh, Star Wars Mace Windu Jedi of the Republic number three, written by Matt Owens, pencils by Dennis Cowan. Inks by Roberto Poggi, uh, and it's really interesting, uh, and fans of the films will love this. We see none other than General Grievous in the opening pages. I knew him. Yes. Uh, Hello, my name's General Grievous. Yeah. That's how he talked in the right? movies. Yep. That, yeah, you guys are familiar with him. Yeah, of course, and yeah. we see him in a meeting with ADW4, the mercenary droid that we have encountered in the past. ADW4, will you, will you kill some Jedi for me? Please, sir. <laughs> uh, yep, that's spot on. General pretty Ray much exactly the exchange they have. Destroy Mace Windu. <laughs> and uh, he offers him uh, a lot of money, and he says, "When do I leave?" And then we jump to the present on Hisrik, the planet where Mace and his Jedi comrades are uh, checking out the separatists' uh, events. Uh, he, uh, we see Mace and Rissa who are fighting some droids. Mace goes into total badass Jedi mode. Then we see Kit Fisto and uh, oh, what's his name? Tucker, you, Pr- Pris- Tucker, you chose this issue. I mean, Prosit Dibs is his name. It's like a right like and Kit are underground after the. The planet collapsed on them in uh, a previous issue. They're fighting a giant, awesome Star Wars monster, as we've been getting uh, great doses of in recent weeks. Uh, Also in Kelly Thompson's Captain Phasma, which is so sick. Anyway, uh, uh, we keep jumping back to these uh, meetings between ADW-4 and General Grievous, where he's asking for updates. ADW-4 is not a fan of battle droids. Uh, Mace Windu throws his purple lightsaber and chops off some scout droids heads it's awesome this we jump back to this uh this underground duel between uh Prosit, or with Prosit and kit fisto and it's really cool because the entire thing as they're in total darkness is lit by their green lightsabers it just looks so cool it's lit yeah oh i would say it's lit yes it's the lit. Te- yes many well, of the young people in the teens would say that it's woke <laughs> <laughs> maggie is definitely shaking her head this. <laughs> this book is woke uh, <laughs> oh, uh, we gotta stop. As, as we uh, progress through this story, we kind of learn that Prosit has some real big issues with the way they're doing things and the way that the native population of Hisrik is being treated and is being sacrificed in his interpretation of things uh, uh, in, in the name of the Jedi's uh, uh, d- 
kind of mission here, and he ends up confronting Mace face to face in this epic super cinematic face scene. Face to Mace, face one might say. To Mace, indeed, uh, and uh, kind of challenges him, <laughs> challenges him to uh, duel. If he was wearing gloves, he would have removed one and slapped him across the face. Uh, and Mace does not back down. And uh, we got a pretty cool preview of the next issue, of the cover of the next issue. Thanos number 12, wrapping up Jeff Lemire's run on the book. He was assisted by artist German Peralta, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. This is the final battle. I get, it's been bugging me. Yeah. And I love you, but what? it's Herman. Oh, it's Herman? Yeah. Have the I been G saying is German? Herman Peralta. Herman oh. Peralta. Remember uh, uh, Herman who used to work here? Yeah. It's same with a G. Same, same deal? Yeah. All right. I'm sorry about that. It's okay. Herman, I apologize. Um, we've got uh, Thanos and Thane having their final showdown in the God Quarry uh, with the three crazy sisters. We get a great double-page spread right off the bat with the three witches basically divesting Thane of his Phoenix power. That, a lot of awesome yeah, spreads. So many awesome things, but just like the... Sc- the level of power mm. that those three have to just yeah. like uh, fly away, little bird. Yeah, like that was really cool. This uh, d- d- some explosive art in this issue. Thanos clocking Thane, just knocking him the out, um, mm. and then basically showing him mercy uh, in the fact that he throws him to the bottom of the god quarry. Uh, Thane, we see, kind of meets his final fate. But, yeah, the the line that. Thanos says as he like he's done with Thane. The goodbye Thane, you were nothing but an embarrassment. I was just like good Thanos stuff. Damn, right there. son, yeah. that's your kid. It's true. Jeff writes some good Thanos. Uh Death shows up. Um, death as seen in Jason Aaron's Thanos Rising. She tries to get back on Thanos' good side. Not happening. <laughs> he's not interested. Uh, and again, we see the power of these three sisters um, and what they're able to do. Uh, we've still got Trichos Slattery, or whatever his name is. Yeah, Trichos Trico Sla- Slattery. Trichos Slatterus, as long with Nebula and Star Fox. They're hanging around. They figure out some things together. Uh, but the gist of this is that Thanos was down. Thanos was out. Thane took his best shot. Everyone took their best shot, and it didn't matter because Thanos, at the end of the day, is still Thanos. If you come for the king, you best not miss. Mm-hmm. Right? Something mm-hmm. like that. That next, seems like a phrase. Next issue, Marvel Legacy yeah. with Donny Cates. Yeah. Yeah, Donny Gates. All right, we've Talk got favorite. Uh, Thor, where walk the frost giants? I read this this morning. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. a fun it's a, it's a classic story. So uh, first up, written by Ralph Macchio, huh? who is a longtime writer and editor for Marvel Comics. Um, not the actor, no. Ralph Macchio. <laughs> no. Not to be confused. Nope. Uh, and sometimes you just walk around, you see Ralph is here having just meetings, reading comics. Reading comics. It's great. Yeah. Uh, art by our friend Todd Nock. Yes, beautiful art by Todd Nock. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Can I, can I say, I was at New York Comic Con. Yeah. And uh, I was walking down to Artist Alley with Ben. Yeah. Uh, not Ben Riley, Ben Morse. Yeah. And, Thank you for clarifying. And Ben said, oh, yeah, I'm going to go visit my friend Todd. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know, my ears perked up. And then, you know, we parted ways and I saw him go to Todd Nock and I was like, oh, what? What? <laughs> that blew my tiny, tiny bird brain. Oh, doesn't, it doesn't take much. Not much. It doesn't take a lot. <laughs> that was, uh, I thought that was awesome. Yeah. That's great. Um, here it's 
Uh, we've got Frost Giants now. We've got Ymir. 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 We're looking at the Russian, and Russian. she's like, ah, I don't know. Y M I R. It's not a Russian word. <laughs> but I don't know why still, we're asking. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Ymir. What's the difference between him and Laufey? Yeah, that's a good question. Okay. Um, I don't know because they definitely refer to they, the Frost Giants of Laufey being in like a separate area here. And there's like, uh, where are the where's Laufey from? He's from Jotunheim. Jotunheim. Yeah. And Niflheim is where they say they, these Mir's Frost from. Giants are from. Yeah. So I guess it's. I don't know the difference. We need to call in an expert for this. Yeah. So yeah, Niflheim is Mir's territory. <laughs> Jotunheim is where Laufey and yeah. all them are from. I would say the big difference, uh, just from comics context, is that the Niflheim Frost Giants actually look like they're made out of snow, whereas the Jotunheim Frost Giants just look like big giants with blue skin yep. who are uh, not averse to the cold. All right. So there you go. That's yeah. my best uh, my best working theory. Uh, so we get a cool story here of, of Thor um, fighting frost giants. And there's a, a young boy whose father was killed in battle with frost giants who he's um, – He's a whole part of it. Yep. Uh, he helps out Thor. Uh, we get, get the to Warriors see, Three. Yeah, we have Warriors Three. Some tear. Tear. Always nice to see tear. Good tear action. Yep. Not the only time we see tear uh, this week. Hmm. He's in another book that we'll, I'll talk about in a second. But uh, I didn't know tear was a brother. Who's uh, your brother to? Thor. Thor. Apparently, I think they might just be like they're brothers in the way that like hello three, brother like, like the three of us are brothers yeah. i don't know podcast bros yeah balder's a brother though <laughs> right just excited about potentially being yeah. a fantastic brother. three <laughs> <laughs> balder's a brother though right yeah but that was uh that was a recent revelation and this story seems to be set in the past it would be before they knew balder was uh yeah. well their brother. we'll get into it yeah anyway it's a lot of fun it's a classic action adventure story and then you get a backup tale of thor versus hulk from yep. uh lee and kirby and good times Good times. All right. Finally, this week for the print issues, we've got X-Men Blue, number 14. Certainly not the last of the print issues. Tucker, I just skipped right over you. Why don't you go ahead? <laughs> Sorry. It was my fault. I was holding the book under the table. Uh, like a creep. Like, like a, a weirdo. Like a weirdo. Who knows what was happening with this? Never mind. Uh, weapon X, number 10, uh, written by Greg Pak and Fred Van Lenti, art by Mark Borstel and uh, Ibrahim Roberson. We see uh, just first page, splash page, uh, Dr. Alba and Weapon H flying around, well, I guess jumping around, uh, and she tries to sick him on some local civilians. Then we leave and we see Stryker, who's in a kind of back-to-tank type thing, uh, uh, being mm -hmm. kept alive. He's like a he's like a cyborg. Uh, the what, one of my favorite phrases is uttered is said in this sequence uh, where Domino says he's like racist toothpaste. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Sabretooth, Lady Deathstrike, and Domino are looking after him. They're joined by Wolverine and all new Wolverine. Uh, they remove him from his back to tank. Then we see Weapon H turn against. Uh, Dr. Alba and refused to obey her orders to kill these people. Then there's a great uh, little scene where the crew is driving in a convertible with Stryker's torso and head yep. in uh, like a giant, like it looks like one of those things at a barbershop where they keep the combs. Uh, then, uh, and Logan gets real mad at a certain point, punches the 
the glass breaks it and just carries around the head on his own. Uh, there, in search of some things in this, uh, in this kind of uh, like a storage unit. Yeah, storage unit. That's that's the term I was looking for. Very, excited. very excited really about excited storage units. Uh, then Weapon H powers down and has a conversation with. Uh, Dr. Alba, where she whispers something very mysterious into his ear. We don't know what, we don't know why, but it sets him off, and uh, then he is being uh, unleashed on some locals, and he looks like he's not going to hold back like he did before. Well, we kind of know what yeah. she did, because yes. she, she makes him... We know exactly what she yeah, did. Yeah, like, the, she's basically set a program in his mind to go after what he hates most mm-hmm. so that he will actually kill and what he hates most is her so he all he sees is her and that's mm-hmm. what he's going after to kill mm-hmm. now wrapping things up we've got X-Men Blue number 14 Mojo Worldwide part 4 written by Colin Bunn art by Jorge Molina colors by Matt Mila and Guru EFX we've still got the X-Men being trapped in these horrific scenarios that Mojo has set up where they got old costumes uh, fighting new foes, fighting a combination Phoenix, Sentinel, and a combination like Lady Deathstrike, Brood Alien. It's all crazy and topsy turvy. Nice moment between Jimmy Hudson and Jean Grey. What's going on there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Magneto, Polaris, and Danger show up. They get put into the Mutant Massacre. We've got more X Men fighting in the Avengers versus X Men conflict. Longshot has a role to play. Apocalypse shows up. Uh, they find out that some people who we thought were dead are not as dead as we thought. And then Mojo, his big plan is he's actually turning our world into Mojo World. And that is not good for anybody. Also this week, uh, we had Punisher the Platoon number two. Wanted to note that quickly. It's a Max book, so we don't get copies of it. But you should definitely check it out. Yes. Uh, we have a digital comic that came out last week. I promised you guys that uh, we would check it out. And it is um, Thor and Hulk. Uh, let me get the champions. champions of the Universe. Thor versus Hulk, Champions of the Universe, number four, written by Jeremy Whitley. All art on this issue by Alti Fermancia. Uh, colors by Irma Nivila. And uh, this opens up with a promoter basically using uh, Moonstone, Carla Sofin, uh, who is a trained psychiatrist. True. And she's also the supervillain Moonstone. Moonstone. Um, yeah. And he promoter is using Moonstone to look into the minds and, and sort of evaluate Thor yep. and Hulk and see which of them is truly worthy enough to battle the champion. She's like their Tim Stevens. Yes. <laughs> this is the psych ward. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> So we get this really cool sequence, a bunch of sequences throughout the issue of Carla sort of testing around the borders of who Thor and who Bruce Banner are. We get really fun stuff there. She, Carla brings in a bunch of different Thors to talk to and taunt um, uh, Thor and try to mess with him. And it's really funny stuff. A lot of... A lot of heady stuff in here. Mm. And on the flip side, you've got her messing with Bruce Banner and some really interesting things over there. Uh, but it's, as with all of Jeremy's stories, it's really funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a lot of quirks to it. It's great, just fun characteristics. And then there's a point in the Thor stuff where she brings in Thor's siblings, mm. starting with, uh, we've got Angela in here. Okay. Then uh, we get Balder yeah. showing up. Go on. And then. I know where this is going. 
Um, got a sense. I'm flipping ahead a couple pages. Uh, we've got Tear. Tear. Showing up. So that's why. Uh, and Mjolnir is like, uh, Thor's like, Mjolnir, to me. And Tear says, I think not, brother. See, now that's where you belong, at the feet of the one whose place you took. And then Thor says, Tear, my brother, but you are dead. There you go. Mm. I, I guess we, uh, I guess we learned something. And today. then of course Loki comes in and zaps him in the back. Yeah. So you know, I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think the brother question is something. Yeah, I think we, uh, we got to investigate. Uh, but it's really cool. There's just awesome fun stuff, and the art is gorgeous. So definitely, if you're a digital comics reader, Thor versus Hulk: Champions of the Universe is a must read. Cool. Collections on sale this week in print: Ben Riley, Scarlet Spider, Volume One, Back in the Hood. Civil War 2, Doctor Strange Volume 3, Blood in the Aether, Incredible Hulk Epic Collection, The Hulk Must Die, Invincible Iron Man Volume 3, Civil War 2, Secret Empire, available in hardcover, Venom Volume 2, The Land Before Crime, and Weapons of Mutant Destruction. We have good names for these trades. Land Before Crime, (laughs) Back in the Hood. Yeah, all the... uh, The gold standard still remains the Squirrel Girl trades. Yes. They're They're all the best. Uh, also on sale on the Marvel app this week, we have American Dream, issues one through five. Baby. Hmm? That was a Dusty Rose. No. Oh. A-, a Next, one through seven. Uh, Avengers, 1959, one through five. And Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme from the 80s, issues 31 through 35 and 37 through 40. Deep breath, folks. Here we go with freshly digitized comics on Marvel Unlimited. Black Panther, World of Wakanda, number six. Cable, Machine Man, Annual, number one. Captain America, Steve Rogers, number 16. Daredevil, 19. Deadpool, number 29. Doctor Strange, number 19. Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme, number 10 to 22. Ghost Rider, Wolverine, Punisher, The Dark Design, number zero. Guardians of the Galaxy, Dream On, number one. Invincible Iron Man, number six. Machine Man, Bastion Annual, number one. Monsters Unleashed, number one. Moon Knight, number 13. Miss Marvel, number 17. Nick Fury, number one. Poe Dameron, number 13. Royals, number two. Secret Empire, number zero. Silk, number 19. Star-Lord, number six. Strange Tales, number 51 to 57. The Punisher, number 11. The Totally Awesome Hulk, number 18. Thunderbolts, number 12. U.S. Avengers, number five. And Venom, number six. All right. So that is what's out this week. Let's go to some news. And now, from Marvel Headquarters, it's This Week in Marvel News! Hello, Marvelites! Welcome Hello. to an interview-ish podcast. An interview within the podcast. Of This Week in Marvel. Yes. Oh, we're doing this inside the, the actor's studio. within... The larger podcast world, this is but a segment ah. of our podcast. Ah, I see. Remember yesterday when we recorded the rest of our podcast? Oh, yeah. We threw to this. We did. But we didn't actually name it yet. Nope. We, we said we're going to go do some news, and this is that news segment. Nice. Hey, you know who's on our segment? Matt Rosenberg. That's me. I'm news. <laughs> yep. News is Matt Rosenberg, and Matt Rosenberg is news. Yeah. I also like that this is an interview-ish. Yeah. I yeah. like that. Yeah, I, feel, I mean, I feel that. It makes me more comfortable. Interview itself seems too formal. Uh-huh. Interview-ish is I'm, more along the lines of what we do. I'm wearing shorts. I so noticed. I, I shouldn't be in an interview. Showing off them legs. At what point in the year do you say, all right, it's too cold for shorts? Uh, no, you hit a point where you just say it's too cold to go outside. Oh, you just stay inside in the shorts. Yeah. I don't, I don't, 
At this point, I'm not sure I own pants. I'm actually impressed nice. that you came out today. I mean, it's like 58 degrees out. Oh no, I go, I go much colder. Yeah, than all right. I, I'll go into Good the time. 20s, but when it's like wow below the 20s, then it's like just stay inside. Yeah, I write yeah. comics, so there's not really a need no to need go to outside. Be out. Yeah, yeah and the, point. there's you live in New York City, so there's a litany of delivery methods for food, uh huh, beverages, yeah, uh huh, other things. Companionship. He has companionship. I have, I have companionship, and she actually picks up food and beverages because <laughs> she has to go out to her job. There you um, go, man. So yeah, I, yeah, I don't really do anything, so yeah. it's pretty exciting. Well, what you are doing is writing a ton of books for Marvel. Um, Six hundred, I think, was the number. Yes, we've currently got you clocked with Secret Warriors out now. Yes. Punisher, which will be out shortly. Shortly. Phoenix Resurrection, which is going to be out shortly after that. More shortly, yeah, I believe, and then. Tales of Suspense, which we're going to talk about more today. Yes. My first question for you, Matt Rosenberg, is as as someone who has had something of, shall we say, a meteoric rise here at the House of Ideas, what's your story? How did you get into comics, and how did you eventually break into Marvel? Wow, meteoric. Um, <laughs> I got into comics uh, when I was a little, little kid. Uh, my older brother, Mark. Um, who Shout won't. out to Mark. What's Shout up? Out to Mark. Definitely not listening to this. Hi, Mark. Is this um, Mark's filmmaker, right? Mark is a filmmaker, yeah. yes. Uh, he uh, read comics. He's four years older than me. Mm-hmm. And so I would steal his comics. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of how I learned to read, mm-hmm. was reading Fantastic Fours and X-Men's. Um, and I've just loved comics ever since. I grew up uh, in New York City and had the luxury of having a comic book shop on my block, um, which is... Uh, only now do I realize how amazing that was. Mm. Um, but it was my after school every day kind of spot to go to. And so I've just sort of had comics in my life ever since. And um, Marvel at the forefront of that. I'm a huge Marvel fan my whole life. And uh, a bunch of years ago, I just decided, hey, I want to write comics. Nice. And uh, self-publish some stuff that's pretty terrible. No one needs to. <laughs> no one needs to try and find that. Probably pay a premium for a lot of that stuff too. Yeah, they really did want it. Hand yeah, mint. some people show up, and a guy showed up with a book at a con and was like, "I bought, I bought this. It took me forever to get it, and it had a price sticker on it." Oh no! And I was like, "This isn't How what much? you paid. It was three hundred fifty dollars." Oh yeah. wow! And I was like, "You didn't pay this," and he was like, "I did," and I tried to give him money because no. <laughs> I just felt so bad. And he was like, "No, no, I'm happy to get it." Ben, um, can you imagine if we were still doing the Wizard Price Guide? I and never did the Wizard. You Price never did guide. the Wizard. No, that was you and Ricky. You're confusing me with Ricky Pardon as right. you often as do. As I often do. That's fair. Yeah, if I were still doing the Wizard Price Guide, there would definitely be like a little feature on you mm-hmm. in like a sidebar yep. on Matt Rosenberg and like the hot finds that you can go and dig up. We it's would true. be jacking them prices up for oh, you. Three fifty was uh, nothing. Where's yeah. Wizard? Where's Wizard now? I need I need that price guide. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to start it again? Or are you I feel gonna... like we should. <laughs> I feel like yeah. you have the rights to that, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Um. So yeah, and then I uh, I did some self-published stuff. I did some uh, I did a book with uh, various members of the Wu Tang Clan. Oh, um, how many people get hold to on. say that? Yeah, let's not let's not try. I to gloss over, over that. that one sometimes. Yeah, no, let's not gloss over. That. Uh, my first published work, I did a book called Twelve Reasons to Die at Black Mask with uh, RZA and Ghostface Killer from wow. the Wu Tang Clan. How did that get hooked up? Um, I used to work in music okay. before as a comics guy. And someone... Like laying down beats? Yeah, I was mostly doing beatboxing on a street corner uh-huh. <laughs> um, for money. Um, or not money, but, you know, for the love of the art, yeah. really. Yeah, sure. Um, no, I, w- I worked in music, and someone from RZA's team knew me from music and was like, oh, this guy did music, and now he does comics. They 
uh, RZA was producing a record for Ghost that was uh, like a concept record, and they wanted to include a comic in it. So his team reached out to me to be like, how would we do that? How does that work? That's awesome. I love how you're just yeah. like, for Ghost. For Ghost. Like, obviously, yeah. like, Ghost. The Ghost face killer? Yeah, yeah ghost. but ghost. you know him as Ghost. I know him yeah. as Ghost. Right. I go, he's in my phone as Ghost. Yeah. Um, the, uh, and, and yeah, and so then it went from there, it went from being like a pack into the record to a six issue miniseries wow. with uh, a ton of awesome artists. It's a, it's a very weird book. Yeah. Um, it was very overly ambitious for my first published thing and a little crazy. Um, if you're working with the Wu-Tang Clan, why yeah, not, right? You go a little weird. Yeah. Um, that's that's the number one thing people say about it a lot, which I appreciate. They're like, it's a lot weirder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I for, mean. For a rap comic, it's pretty out there. But those dudes, like, they're they're cool. They've yeah, got weird crazy. interests and, like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that <clears throat> it, it it may seem a little strange, but it also makes sense. Yeah, me. yeah. I mean, when I, I, I loved working with them, they were awesome when I. When we were, when I was first doing it, I would go out to Riz's. Riz had a recording studio, and I would go out to the studio at like three a.m. because that's when he would show up. And again, drop beats. He, uh, I would drop some beats for him. He'd be like, okay. "We're not going to take any of those. <laughs> You're just kind of spinning everywhere." Um, but he would be like doing interviews, listening to mixes of things, playing chess, and then he'd like turn to me and talk <laughs> Who about is he like playing in chess. Uh, he just has guys around. Just has guys there just he, for chess. They they said to me early. They were like. If you don't want to be here all night, he'll invite you to play chess. If you don't want to be here all night, don't play chess with him. Yes. And once he was like, hey, you want to play a game? And I was like, I'm good, man. But I actually really <laughs> did want to play, but Absolutely. I didn't want to play chess. Why would you chess. want to pass that up? Because I didn't want to be understand. there at 8 in the morning. Yeah, it's fair. That's I want to have you and Riza play chess, chess here at Marvel. I mean, that would be fun. We, we get a, I'm sure we have a Marvel chess license, Marvel chess board. Like, there is a Marvel chess board, yeah. We're doing this. Yeah. Um, Maggie, put a note down. <laughs> We're gonna. I'm 100 percent serious. We are <laughs> gonna look at Maggie hesitating to write it. She, she was like, this, write it. "This seems like a dumb idea, and yeah. I don't think I should write it down." <laughs> yeah. Nope, it's gonna be a great yeah. idea. She's uh, writing it down. But we, we talked to, while we were while he was playing chess. We talked about uh, his love of uh, Shang Chi. Oh, cool! And how uh, they need Shang Chi needs to be brought back. And I was like, and well, "He is. He is." Yeah. This was a while ago, this and is, I was like, "You need to read the David Aha, Ed Brubaker, Matt Fraction, Iron Fist, because that is the greatest." martial arts book ever made and uh and uh i don't know if he did but it is true <laughs> it's a good book. you should read it at home people and uh from there you know i did some creator on stuff and then uh a lovely young gentleman named jake thomas uh emailed me and was like hey do you want to write a 10-page story for marvel and i was like i want that more than i want pretty much anything else <laughs> and so i wrote a 10-page story for marvel in secret wars journal number one mm -hmm. um I wrote an X-Men story, hmm. and uh, it's pretty weird, but uh, I might... Seems to be a theme running here. Yeah, it was a... Uh, well, it's weird in a different way, <laughs> but uh, I just remember the first note, uh, bless Jake. Jake is great. He's a great editor and a, a great guy. His first note, he said, uh, on your first page, you include uh, 32 X-Men on the page, is there a reason that you need all of these X-Men? Oh, right. And I said, I don't know that I'm ever going to get to write the X-Men again. That's a, so, that's yeah. And he said, can we cut it down at all? And I just wrote back, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, was not a good choice, but, you know, I had to make my game. How many actually made it onto the page? They're all there. Luca Bizzari yeah. uh, drew it like a champ. Had yeah. to redesign them all because it was Secret Wars, so they were in Egyptian. I was going to say, this is the Egyptian one. This was the Forever Yesterday New Warriors. Verse, yes. Right? 
Yeah, it's yeah. the New Warriors verse. It's mm-hmm. where the X Men are in the New Warriors verse. Yeah, they're all slaves building pyramids for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, I don't like. We definitely Kanchu. read this. I we don't read, remember it. I have to go back because you. I remember it pretty We love that story. Yeah. the original story so much. Yeah, I, I don't really tie into it too much. Well, then it's, I don't care. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Okay, it's, it's still good. Yeah, the art's beautiful. What is the strangest X Men? In that, yes. Who is the most bizarre of the of thirty-two? All the who who did you the, dig deepest to put? They in there? were real weirded out that I put blindfold in there. They were like, "Why is blindfold?" Oh yeah. Um, she's a blindfold. She has predictive abilities. She's in X Men Legacy with yep. Legion. Yep, yep, we yep, love yep. that book. Yep. Yeah, uh, and she's there. She actually has dialogue, which most of them don't. She has one <laughs> line. She says, "Someone is coming," and they all turn and look at a door, and then there's a knock on the door. I don't know why I thought that was an important moment, <laughs> but I, I was like, yeah, that should be in there. That's a cool moment. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of like I pitched this thing that was like a little crazy for a 10-pager, and then Jake was like, yeah, it would be cool if it had like a, maybe a horror vibe or whatever. And so we sort of it, – it goes a little creepy. It becomes a yeah. werewolf story and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that blindfold moment was cool, that it's like, oh, if someone can predict someone's about to knock on a door, that's creepy. That is cool. Very cool. So how did that bridge from working on, you know, 10-pager in Secret Wars to suddenly you're writing high-profile books like Phoenix and Punisher and Tales of Suspense? Um, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> the, Tell us the secret. Yeah. Uh, I, it, it's funny because I'm sure uh, to an outsider it feels very much like I just randomly bought a lottery ticket and right. I'm here. Overnight sensation. Um and, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, there are a lot of people who have, you know, at Marvel and other places who've done a lot more work than me. And, and I'm always sort of respect, try to be respectful and mindful of that. But uh, I did the uh, 10-pager in Secret Wars Journal, and then I did a Quake one-shot. Um, I love that Quake one-shot. And I love it, too. Danny yeah. Warren Johnson, great. Yeah, uh, John Moyson edited it. R.I.P. He yeah. was, he was great. Care. Don't care for him. Don't care for him. But, no. you know, whatever. He's moved on. Uh, John. Yeah, he's in a good. He's he's in a, the afterlife. He's in the afterlife. <laughs> yeah. If he's li- if you're listening in the afterlife, I don't know if you guys podcast. We do. Oh, that's what oh, majority oh, yeah. majority RSS, of our listeners. The RSS oh. feed definitely yeah. goes there. Yep. All right. Well, that's great. Um, so I did that Quake one shot that was part of the Shield anniversary yep. stuff, and then uh, Will Moss had me come in and do Civil War to Kingpin, which was mm-hmm. a little Civil War tie in mini. And then uh, Rock and Raccoon. So I've gone from like 10-pager to one-shot to tie-in mini to standalone mini to another mini to ongoing. And You blew up the Empire, the, um, the Statue of Liberty. I blew up the Statue of Liberty in Rock and Raccoon. That was actually a, uh, a – it was in the pitch. It was in the outline. <laughs> and then when the script came in, they were like, whoa, <laughs> is that a good idea? And I said it was. And so we did it. What do you have against the Statue of Liberty? Yeah. Um, it's too big. It's, like, it's, it's big. really it's not that large. Big. It's really, big. really not that large. It's, it's pretty huge. big. It's, pretty it's like big. 10 feet tall. Is that right? Yeah. No. I guess I never get off the boat to look right. at it. Exactly. Yeah. You only yeah. see it from afar. It looks bigger far away. Yeah. yeah. Depth perception, sure. One of those sure. tricks of the eye. Yeah. Um, no, I have nothing against the Statue of Liberty. Uh, I thought it would be funny if Rocket Raccoon, ac- <laughs> while trapped on Earth... Uh, accidentally blew up the Statue of Liberty. It's a, you know, it's what we call a metaphor. We try to work them into sure. books a little bit. Uh, it's also funny. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know what? They rebuild it. Damage control exists. They oh, come. yeah, it was rebuilt 
probably Moment, later that later. week. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so quickly, we didn't notice it in the other books. Yeah, no one else. I mean, to be fair, I don't know how many books that week you saw the Statue of Liberty in. I'm sure that, like, if you went back, Spider-Man was probably fighting someone on the Statue of yeah. Liberty that yeah, week, right. and it wasn't addressed. But, uh, yeah, we blew it up. It's back. The French gave us another one. They had another oh, one They're so good. Ready. They're sweet of them. Yeah, they're yeah. really great. They get a lot of crap, but, no, they're really sweet. Yeah. Good I love fries. Mm-hmm. I love toast. Yep. They invented those two things. Yep. Um, and they have, like, a, a ton of Statue of Liberties lying around in case yeah, we break sure. them. Yep. Just got a warehouse of them. Yeah. So let's talk about Tales of Suspense real quick. Give us the lowdown on this book. This is, uh, is it is it a one shot or is it? Uh, it is series? a five issue mini five series. Issue mini. Uh, it uh, starts with since it's a legacy book. It starts with Tales of Suspense one hundred. Congratulations! Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. It's great. One hundred issues. Yeah, I never thought we'd make it. Yeah. Um, the uh, if you haven't read the previous 99, you should go and catch up and read those. They're Marvel Unlimited. Kind of, you, you really yeah. have to read those. Yeah. It all is, we drop you right in the middle yeah. of it. No, uh, it's unrelated. <laughs> yeah, please, uh, please, please don't do that. We're just joshing around. Someone just turned the podcast off here and then yeah. it was like, well, I don't, I have no time to yeah. listen to this. Like, I have to go read 99 <laughs> issues of Tales of Suspense. Yeah. Why did he do this to us? Uh, no, it's uh, there are uh, you should read those though. They're great. Yeah, They're great on Marvel Unlimited. Stuff. They're super fun books. Uh, there's a lot of good Iron Man and Captain America and uh, stuff like that in there. But uh, our story starts uh, post Secret Empire. Um, the Black Widow, as many of you know, was killed in Secret Empire. That is sad. I am a huge Black Widow <laughs> fan. Um, and our story is about uh, following that, people start dying. And uh, a couple different people in the Marvel Universe notice that these deaths form a pattern and uh, they're, they're assassinations and they have a style. And that style is similar to Black Widow's. And so we're following two characters who separately are investigating who is killing Black Widow's enemies and why. Um, and those characters are uh, Hawkeye, Clinton Barton, and Bucky, Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, I always uh, I write in my scripts Hawkeye and Bucky, and I don't call him the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that, that's, that's disrespectful. It's a little disrespectful yeah. to him, so I want to make sure that it's I'm right like there. the Winter Soldier. Yeah, he's in the room. Yeah. Clinton With Bucky, you could do that. Clinton Bucky, yeah, yeah. that seems to, yeah. I don't. Too, too I don't know Clint that well. Okay. No, like well, Bucky, I know. Yeah. I know that gotcha. guy. So he's he's here. Uh, <laughs> how many issues in do they kiss? Uh, Clint and Bucky. Yeah. Uh, it's the opening of page one, <laughs> and then every page after. Oh, yeah. terrific. Uh, uh, what's interesting actually is that uh, fans. I have a lot of fans who are really excited about the book, and they reach out, and everyone is um, bless them guessing and predicting and projecting what they want the book to be sure. and they're all like black widow's coming back and i'm like well no she's kind of dead and then they're like uh and she's going to be with her true love bucky and mm. then literally that's half of the people and the other half is going to be like she's going to be with her true love hawkeye so you're screwed uh, yeah literally yeah. I, it's nice knowing and i'm like well we're not doing any of that and yeah. even if we did one of those half of the people would be disappointed yeah. so yeah so i'm just going to have those two kiss <laughs> I feel like it could turn into a wacky rom-com with the three of them. Yep. It you would. Know, like For sure. Yeah. Two, just two g- guys, a girl, and a pizzeria. That was a TV show. Did I make that up? Yeah, Ryan close, Reynolds yeah. was Ryan in Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. That's Deadpool. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. The uh, I know who that is. You guys <laughs> don't have to look at me weird. That's Deadpool. That's Deadpool. <laughs> that's Deadpool. Um, yeah. So that's what we're doing. That's what we're going for. When we come out of this, we're doing a Deadpool, Bucky, Hawkeye, Black Widow rom-com where they open a pizzeria. Yeah. Once uh, again, this is not happening. It's not happening. It's another disclaimer <laughs> another, another on a series in this podcast. Yeah. E- pretty much everything I've said is not true. Yeah. Tales of Suspense is not a real book. I just can't. No, it is a it real is book. It is a real please, book. Oh, my God. Please, <laughs> ask, <laughs> please buy it. Please. Whoever listens to this is just going to be so confused. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's recap. Tales of Suspense, real book, Hawkeye, Bucky. Looking for what's the the tone is like espionage? Uh, yeah, like? I uh, it's it's equal parts uh, the odd couple and like a born identity kind mm-hmm. of thing. So it's it's espionage where two guys who don't like each other have to team up. That's and it's, a lot of fun. Then. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, the thing the thing that I really like um, is I had a lot of fun writing it because uh, Hawkeye's obviously funny and and kind of snarky and obnoxious. And uh, I was writing Bucky very sort of straight-laced and serious. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Alana, my editor, who's great, was like, he's too serious. Like, he's funny. He just has a different sense of humor than, than Hawkeye. He's a lot – his sense of humor is a lot darker. Yeah. And I, like – He's seen some stuff. He's seen some stuff. And he's sort of, you know, like – Hawkeye's almost very performative, like a Spider-Man, like he's making jokes. Whereas like Bucky, when you when you actually dive into Bucky a little more, and I went back and looked at some stuff, um, <clears throat> and I I uh, he sort of just makes jokes and comments for himself in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Mm-hmm. He's very like introverted in that yeah. way, and so I, I went back and and now like I find Bucky much funnier in the book. Mm-hmm. Like Hawkeye is kind of like you know, over the top, whereas, like, when Bucky lands a joke in the book, I'm very pleased with it. Nice. Um, And at the end of the day, I write it all, so what I'm saying is I'm very pleased with myself. (laughs) Very impressed with yourself. Um, Travel Foreman's drawing the book. Travel Foreman is drawing the heck out of the book. Yeah, seriously. He is a great talent. Uh, Travel Foreman is amazing. He, uh, I've been a huge fan forever, and uh, he, I was so happy to get to work with him. He's one of those people that, like, I just assumed I would never get to work with, mm-hmm. but I would always admire from afar. Um, and when he turned in his, he turned in rough layouts, and I was like, didn't realize they were rough layouts at first. Mm. And I was like, these look great. Yeah, right. And they were like, do you have any corrections? I was like, no, these are good to print. And they were like, <laughs> they were like, these are his roughs. And I was like, oh. And they're like, J-, and I was like, these look great. And they're like, just wait. <laughs> and then he turned in his finished pages, and I actually, when he turned in finished pages, I went through when I had all the finished pages. I went through and rewrote eight pages of issue two because oh, wow. I was like, he is so good at like some things that I was like, you know, he just excels yeah. at like the action and the energy and all this stuff that like I know he does like great character stuff, but like his action and energy is great. And so I rewrote a chunk of it for him and like have had him more in mind uh, going forward. Now that I see how miraculously awesome he is. Yeah, he was doing. Um most recently, Ultimates. Uh, Ultimates. Yeah. Did you give him anything weird to draw? Because you know he, like I remember, he, he could draw like really cool, as you're talking about, action, big epic scenes and all those things, but in Ultimates, like weird yeah. the weird stuff yeah, yeah. that he came up with was so incredible. Yeah, yeah. I love seeing him the, flex that muscle. The, um, with that in mind, as we go further, there is like an issue that is very focused on the weird stuff cool. that I think people are going to be like it it sort of takes a turn in a very weird way and people are going to be i think very psyched and i'm 
excited for him to cut loose on that. If you could write a nude Modoc, <laughs> like nude doc, nude doc, nude doc, yeah, mo nude. I'm into it. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I'm going to do that. Right, I can fine. write that for that's you fair. if you want me yeah, to yeah, send yeah, that yeah. your way. Yeah, 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 I can shoot yeah. you a text yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah. That'd be great. So is, is it going to be as good written though? I feel like you need someone to draw it. I'll draw it up. I'll draw it. It's okay, cool. great, great, yeah, yeah. great. Perfect. Speaking of things you're working on, yes. Phoenix Resurrection, huge yeah. deal. It, Jean Grey, yeah, coming back. People like her. You yeah. ma- you made this happen uh, by well, yourself. Well, uh, sure, <laughs> sure. Um, I was like, guys, you know, do you remember Jean Grey? Yeah. Uh, what if she came back? And everyone was like, I don't remember who that is, uh, but I'll check it out. Uh, no, no yeah. yeah, it's uh, yeah. I'm I'm beyond excited. Um, I'm an X Men fan. Right, 32 X-Men. We got that. Yeah, 32 X-Men. I I love the whole Marvel Universe, and I always used to say uh, when people were like, oh, what do you want to write? I'd be like, I literally would write anything. Like, Mm -hmm. I love it all. Um, And that's true, and I stand by that, but uh, X-Men has always been, like, a dream for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, Gene, there are great runs of X-Men without Gene, and there are amazing... X-Men stories that aren't Jean-centric, of course, but she's the heart and soul of the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And it's not its not that the book is focused on her, but when she's there, I feel like the X-Men works at its best. Um, so bringing her back uh, was a huge, huge deal for me that it was one of those like phone calls, uh, Axel yeah. called me and <laughs> was like, hey, so I got an idea, I think you might be into it. Um, and it was like, you know, the adrenaline's going, and you're like, yeah, that sounds cool. And then you hang up the phone, and you're like, oh, my I, my legs feel shaky. I need to sit down. I need to think about what this means. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I'm I beyond excited. Uh, I love Jean. Um, I love the Phoenix. Um, and I love uh, the X-Men universe as a whole and what her coming back means for them. And, and that's really, I think... People, I hope people like the book. I think people, judging by what people say to me on the internet. Which uh, is always a good move. Uh, actually, uh, <laughs> the X-Men fans have been awesome. Okay, the X-Men cool. fans have gone above and beyond and been great. Um, I mean, I get a lot of, you know, don't mess this up. Yeah. But, you know, that's good advice. Is there a lot of, like, you need to do this? Uh, there's a lot of, like, a lot of people sort of check me a little where they're mm-hmm. like, hey, have you ever, you should read this. And it's like, well, I read that. <laughs> and, like, I've read every X-Men comic. And people are just like, you know, you have you, have do you know anything about, you know, the White Hot Room? And it's like, yeah, yeah. It's, if you want to see that, it's fine. And they're like, oh, do you know that she was in? And it's like, yeah, I know What about the that. further adventures of oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cyclops, Cyclops and Phoenix? Phoenix. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a good time. Uh-huh. It doesn't, uh-huh. That doesn't get mentioned. Oh. Well, wow. I'm sorry. Uh, you've got you two should've... X-Men fans right here who are like, a little disappointed. Not sure. Yeah, I guess we know that it. there's a that we kept. We decided to keep that further this for the sequel. <laughs> it's further away than oh we're going. Um, but I think the the fans have been awesome and and are they're very excited and I think they're nervous um, and I get that because if I didn't work at Marvel and they announced this, <laughs> I would be nervous. Yeah. Um, I think judging by what people are saying. Um, we're not exactly doing what people are expecting, which cool. I am nervous about, but I'm also, I hope they like. It's a, uh, the way I said it, I said the Phoenix Resurrection is a huge book about the potential end of the universe and a very small book about uh, 
a woman figuring out who she is and her role in the world. And and I think uh, the personal stuff and the intimate stuff about Jean and focusing on her as a character I, I is really important to me because I love Jean and, and I want her to have her moment to sort of, if it comes back, I don't want it to be just, oh, a giant flaming bird ripped the planet apart <laughs> and can we hold it together? I want it to also be like, what does this mean for her? And, and you know, if she survives, what does it mean? And where, where could she go? And if she doesn't survive, what happens? And see that? That's uh, ambiguous. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I'm I'm very excited about it, and I put as many X Men as I, I could. I was in just going to ask how how many X Men are in there. Did, um, you, did you top yourself? Is Sunder in there? Sunder, I can't answer that, <gasps> but oh my god, um, genuinely excited. Sunder fans might want to pick up Thunder. all one of them <laughs> yeah. right here. Uh, there there are deep deep cut X Men. In all seriousness, who are some of your favorite X-Men who we know are going to be in the book, not um, Sunder level guys? Um, well, Sunder can... first. Yeah. <laughs> um, in all seriousness, my favorite X-Men uh, are uh, not in a specific order, mm. but uh, I love magic. I know you love magic. Love magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, love Jean. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, love Jean. <laughs> That's good. Uh, Havoc. Havoc to me as a kid, Havoc was my hero. Really? Uh, yeah, because I, I have an older brother who mm. everyone thought was like much cooler, but actually I was much cooler, and no one really picked up on that. Um, and now yeah. I have like a badly scarred face, and I'm evil. <laughs> so like, I feel like our trajectories are right. On I don't have a badly scarred face. Um, that was, that part wasn't true. Disclaimer. Um, <laughs> I like that you needed to point that out. To yeah, people. I, I'll lie about what the books are about and everything, but I'll be like, look, not I'm my I'm, own handsome. I'm not. I'm not disfigured in yeah. any way that I know of. I don't know. I don't What's know what's happening going. right I don't know. now. I derailed the podcast. I should have slept more before I came in. Um, so I love them. Uh, I love Wolverine. I feel like that's the one that like people are always like, "Will Wolverine?" But it's like it's important to say Wolverine's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for the truest love in the Marvel universe to possibly happen again because we saw the end of Legacy mm. number one. Sunder and Maggot. Yes. Ooh, Sunder and Maggot. I just want to see them kiss. Yeah. Um, How would it even work with the maggots? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And who knows what happens with Phoenix, but... Who's the truest love in the Marvel Universe? Wolverine and Jean Grey. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. Is this a serious thing? For me? Yeah. Yeah. Wolverine and Jean Grey. Huh. That's a pure love right there. Wow. Okay. So will Ryan be excited to read Phoenix Resurrection or bitterly disappointed? I mean... Sunders in it. <laughs> uh, so you're all set. You're all set. You got me hooked. I'm uh, along for the uh, ride. I will say uh, I have pins on my bag that is a broken heart, and one half of the heart is Jean's face, and the other half is Cyclops's face. Oh. So um, I like Cyclops. Uh, Cyclops is great. Cyclops is. Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to brave all the hate mail I'm about to get and say <laughs> this. Uh, Cyclops is one of the best X-Men for a simple reason, in that uh, a lot of superhero comics, uh, the characters, uh, things happen to them, but they're sort of a constant. And um, Cyclops has an arc. Cyclops uh, evolves. You watch him be a kid who's like has leadership thrust upon him to someone who sort of embraces leadership and takes it, and then sort of reassesses who he is and who everything is, and uh, then dies. And uh, I really like that. It's the same reason that uh, my favorite all-time superhero comic is Ultimate Spider-Man, because mm-hmm. Peter has a full arc of a mm-hmm. character from from his uh, 
beginning of being Spider-Man from before he's Spider-Man to his death, you really see this evolution of a character. And, and I love that in Ultimate Peter, and I, I, uh, I love it in Cyclops. And uh, so, yeah. That's yeah. that's why that. that's why Cyclops and yeah. and Jean are the true love. No, I I do love um, Logan and Jean, and uh, there are uh, for for Logan Jean fans, there is uh, something you will hopefully really like in the book that I'm very proud of. Yeah, you heard it here first. Um, yeah, we don't we're not glossing over their relationship and, no. at all. No, I was fortunate enough to be in the room when you pitched the story at the most recent summit, and it's it's in, it's an incredible story. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's gonna yeah. be really good. That was really 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 stressful. <laughs> I remember um, the uh, there's a lot of uh, there's not a lot of times I'm in my 30s. There's not a lot of times where I have to be like, don't let your voice crack, don't let your voice crack. <laughs> and when you're in a room and you look up and all of Marvel editorials there. And Brian Bendis and Jason Aaron and Dan Slott and these people who like you studied their work to mm-hmm. learn how to do what you do and they're just watching you explain what you do. It's, it's a pretty terrifying moment. Mm. Well, you handled it well. Um, another book you're going to be taking on very soon is Punisher. Yes, and uh, it's a reinvention of sorts of Punisher because Punisher finds the War Machine armor. Yes. How did this idea come to be? It seems like a natural. Yeah, I'm uh <laughs> the uh the war machine armor is it's funny because a lot of people I feel like I preface a lot of sentences by saying it's funny. That's fine. Well, I it don't is, think that it is funny. I don't think they're funny is okay, the problem. Fair enough. If you have to say it's funny, it's probably not funny. Um the uh the war a lot of people sort of I think a lot of people's reactions at first is like you put the punisher on the war machine armor like why? And then it, they sit with it for a minute and they're like Oh yeah, <laughs> he would want that, and and that's and that's really where the idea came from. Is just like uh, Frank wants to go to the next level of of what he does. Um, a big thing for me in the book, and and with the idea of the book, and what I pitched early on is like this isn't Frank Castle becoming a War Machine. War Machine is Rhodey. Um, Rhodey is an Avenger and a superhero and someone to aspire to be, and Frank is none of those things. Mm. Frank is uh, almost the inverse in, of Rhodey in a lot of ways. Um, he's he's sort of this dark, nightmarish version of of if Rhodey is this sort of hero of the military industrial complex and all the ways that you know those things can can work for us and protect us and keep us safe and help people. Frank is sort of like all the ways that those things can break you in some way, mm. especially coming off of, you know, the brilliant, like, Garth Ennis, Steve Dillon stuff. Um, Frank's like a truly damaged man from what he's had to do and what he's been through. Um, and so I don't, I, I, I want to stress that it, like, Punisher picks up a bow and arrow. He's not Hawkeye. He's still the Punisher with a bow and arrow. This is Punisher stealing the War Machine armor mm-hmm. and, and going out and, uh, you know, the... As, as much as I just praise Cyclops for having an arc, uh, I love the Punisher because he's a constant. Mm. Um, he is a person who decides whether or not people deserve to live or die, and then he kills them. Uh, it's terrifying. <laughs> um, and that's a constant, and you give him a knife, and he's going to start stabbing people. You give him a gun, he's going to start shooting people. And so I was like, what else can we give him? Mm-hmm. Um, and we gave him the War Machine armor, and his targets just get bigger. So he is... Uh, heading to Europe to overthrow uh, a military dictatorship that has just risen to power. He just 
they're committing uh, horrible war crimes, and uh, a good a friend of the room, Nick Fury, steps in and says, uh, shows him some pictures of some dead kids, and says, "What if I made it so that you could stop this from happening?" And that's all Frank needs is you know, uh, just that little nudge. Um, but he's Frank Castle, so he's sort of uh, you know a missile. You can mm-hmm. point him in a direction and then if you're not guiding it, you just sort of hope that it goes where you want. Mm. And that's sort of what the a big part of what the story is is uh you know, the the idea of of where he's going and and how much what he does can be a good thing and how much it can be a bad thing and and uh for him and for everyone around him. So, you know, it impacts the people he's going to help and the people he's going to hurt, himself, Nick Fury, all of them. It's sort of a an escalation in every way of who the Punisher is was sort of the idea. And I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, it's Punisher is a favorite of mine, uh, as I say about every character. But, <laughs> but I did have a, a sweet Mike Zeck Punisher poster on my, on my bedroom door when I was a kid that my mom was always like, what if I got you a different poster <laughs> that wasn't a man in an alley shooting machine guns of people and I was like no I like this one <laughs> um, the so it's it's a huge thrill uh, I'm, I'm trying to stay true to all the great Punisher stuff that's come before me while also <clears throat> you know taking it to a different place that people haven't seen and stuff sounds awesome no I'm it excited does. no I know there's not much to add that sounds awesome yeah the, uh, the fun thing is uh, uh, I've already mentioned him but Jake Thomas my editor uh, who rightly was like, don't put 32 X-Men on a page. Uh, now <laughs> I sit there and I'm like, could the Punisher pick up a guy and just fly at Mach 2 until the guy disintegrates? And he's like, uh, I don't know if we can show that. Wait, the same Jake Thomas, who in the most recent Punisher run had a dude's face ba- taken off with a bear trap. Yeah. yeah, They blew up a baby. Yeah. They did, I and I, that the book was fun. They face, like from the beginning yeah. of the book to the end of the book, turned mm-hmm. into a horrible monster. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I have a that feeling, Jake Thomas? Yeah, yeah. I have a feeling that uh, he thought when uh, Becky Cloonan finished her run that he could get a breather from <laughs> her pushing the limits, and I immediately was like, what if he tears a guy in half? Like, what if he just picks up a guy and tears him in half with his ha- with his arms and his hands? And he's like, oh, uh, maybe. Um, and, I, you know, he's towing the line. Uh, I think uh, there's a couple things that have been too much, but uh, I think it's a pretty brutal book. Uh, it's Is it mature fun. readers? Parental advisory? I don't know. I oh, mean, probably. I think I hope immature readers read it. I <laughs> hope everyone reads it. Um, you know, kids, get your hands on this. Book kids, somehow. yeah, it's gonna look. Do what you got to do. When we were kids, oh. we would just read whatever we read. Yeah, like it is what it is. I'm fine. I mean, fine-ish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I read some things that I shouldn't have. Uh huh. But. It all worked out in the yeah. end. My parents were very big. Uh, my parents are both writers, and they were very big on, like, you should consume whatever media you want to consume as a kid. Like, it's important for your development. And um, I think they sort of had a hippie thing going on. Mm. And then when I was, like, nine years old watching The Shining and just crying, they were like, oh, wait, we should be parents a little bit more <laughs> and maybe set some limits. And that's, I think, when you get, like, maybe take down the Punisher poster off your door. And it's like, no, he's staying. No. So, you know what? Punisher, okay. The Shining, not so much. Don't watch that, kids. Yeah, wait, wait till you're 11. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's Fair. a good. That's a good age. All right. Last thing to discuss. Okay. Secret Warriors. Secret Warriors going strong. Um, you are bringing in 
two big characters for this next arc. You're mm-hmm. bringing in Mr. Sinister. Mr. Sinister. We love. And then also your self-professed favorite X-Man, Myself Magic. Pro- yes. You're going to be working her in as well. Is it sexy Mr. Sinister? Karen Gillan, like, you know. It's uh, our Mr. Sinister, uh, Javier Garon, who draws Secret Warriors. Uh, I love Javier. He's awesome. Uh, he did Death of X and IVX. Uh, I think he's one of the best artists working in comics. He also has a real uh, penchant for redesigning characters mm. just for fun. Just for kicks. Um, he got, in the first Dark of Secret Warriors, he got uh, a couple X-Men fans kind of riled because he gave Richter a mustache. He did. I remember. Oh, yeah. and that was pretty cool. And I thought it was cool. Yeah. And we got a lot of, like, why does he have a mustache? Yeah. And I had to be multiple times like, well, he didn't shave. So it grows. That's, how it, that's yeah. how it happens. And then in the next issue, the whole time I'm sort of baiting people and kind of like skirting around it because I know that in the next issue Shatterstar appears and also has a mustache <laughs> and then pe- weirdly a lot of people turned around like oh, they really? weren't cool with it when it's just Richter but knowing that it's bo- a thing. that both yeah, of them both have of them it that get, like they made a, nice, a choice together yeah that is a couple they grew mustaches yep. like that's sweet it's very sweet and uh, yeah you wish and, you could do that yeah I don't want Elizabeth to have a mustache I feel but like, otherwise I feel we're like good. you do no alright fair the you know it's fine yeah the uh <laughs> Now I'm thinking about Elizabeth with a mustache. Yeah. No. No. You don't want that. Nope. Um, The, uh, yeah, and he put, you know, he put Dazzler in an older costume, and people Mm -hmm. were like, why is she in her old costume? And I was like, "Uh, sometimes people don't just wear the newest clothes they own. Sometimes they go in the closet and put on different clothes. Totally fair. Which I actually really like. I like the idea that, like, superheroes have a closet full, and they're like, sometimes I'm going to wear this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about that earlier in the show with the most recent issue of America. Right. Where in one part of the yes. book she's wearing, like, her casual clothes, and then she goes out at night, and she's in her, like, sneaking around, you know, superhero outfit. Yeah. Like, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and so his Mr. Sinister uh, is very dapper. He's wearing a suit. Yes. Uh, he's, he's, uh, That's what I like. Yeah, he looks great. Um, and he contrasts really well with the Secret Warriors. So... Yeah, it's um, the beginning of our legacy. We did five issues that were Secret Empire related, um, tangentially. Uh, then there's a two-issue arc that just, the issue six and seven just came out, and that is Quake's Hunt for Deadpool. Um, uh, Ryan which Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds, as you know, he owns a pizzeria. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Ryan Reynolds. Um, Bring it all back around. The and now issue eight, which is coming up next month, is the beginning of our legacy arc. Um, and uh, Mr. Sinister has, uh, unbeknownst to the Secret Warriors, sort of had his fingers in a lot of things that they've been tangentially evolved in without their realizing, and now he's making his presence known. And um, a lot of people don't like him, uh, and one of those people who doesn't like him a lot is Magic. Mm. Uh, Magic has a real grudge against people taking children and experimenting on them and doing things like that. What a pill. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's she's got her baggage. Uh, so she decides to join the Secret Warriors um, without their permission. Mm. Uh, she just shows up and says, I'm going to go get him. Right. And uh, they don't have a car or a way to get around, so, she, so they sort of convenient. have to go with her. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's sort of the dynamic. Uh, Secret Warriors, there, you know, for those of you who don't know, it's uh, Quake and Inferno and Moon Girl and Miss Marvel and Karnak um, and now Magic. And Magic, their, their whole thing has sort of been that they're not really a team. They didn't come together with a mission, they were sort of thrust together. 
and that's sort of been the momentum is keeping them together. And so their dysfunctional family nature now is added to by uh, one more dysfunctional person joining the team against everyone's permission. Uh, and that's magic. So we added a badass lady with a sword. Nice. And I think that's uh, what everybody wanted. Nice. Yeah. And anything else you want to discuss? No. We'll save it for another time. Save it for another gotta time. We've got to have you back, Matt. This was great. I, I'm still here. Oh. No, no. We'll get okay. you back soon. This guy gets surfing lessons. Oh, yeah. That's important. Yep. Cool. All right. On to the next part of the podcast. week Air Marvelous. This is assistant editor Christine Din, joined by editor Eric Goldman. I, it's been a long week. I was like, what's my name? <laughs> <laughs> it has definitely been a week. Yes. Um, uh, happy Friday yeah. or whenever you guys are listening to this. Um, Just happiness in general, guys. Yeah. We, uh, we're running out of days of October. I know. I know. I'm sad because Halloween season is the best time. It is. Halloween is your special day, of course. Very <laughs> special day. <laughs> my my birthday, or where I like to keep thinking about the was it Happy Death Day? <laughs> That's right. I'm jealous of you because my birthday is often on Labor Day, and that's not nearly as cool as but being you get born on a day off. Though I do get a three day weekend usually at my birthday. Yeah, <laughs> but you're born on Halloween. It's awesome. <laughs> it's the best. You know, I'm just gotta. Do a lot of spooky, spooky things. <laughs> That's right. I <laughs> shortly earlier today, I was giving Christine my uh, play-by-play uh, history of the Saw series, <laughs> which I rewatched all of this week. Uh, she's never seen any and doesn't need to. Yeah, so. I don't ever plan on watching <laughs> right. it. Uh, that is, as I experiment with horror, that is the one uh, subset of horror. The torture porn that I do not want to ever watch. Yeah, I was telling her how uh, my wife's the same way and kind of banished me to a room in our house to watch them and was complaining when I had the door open too much and she could hear the the noises of Saw (laughs) (laughs) happening, the various screaming and breaking and cracking things happening. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with, you know, like like cannibalism, straight up murder. (laughs) (laughs) Once you're like, Spending what was it seven movies of just straight up how eight, to torture two. people? <laughs> I'm just like I gotta go. Bye. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Not for everyone, but it's fun to explain these movies to people who haven't seen them. So. Yeah, I was just all like, I don't understand this film logic. Right? <laughs> and then a new kid on the block shows up. And <laughs> yeah, a lot to talk about. <laughs> Um, but we also have a lot, tons of Marvel things <laughs> to talk do. about this week. Um, of course, we're officially a week out from Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, that's right. Um, as we're nearing our, you know, D-Day, we have tons of assets online on Marvel.com, on social, YouTube for you guys. We have an interview with Zoe Bell, who mm-hmm. returned to stunt work, um, just so she can work with Kate Blanchett. Um which was really awesome and was just showing in line like how um, collaborating with 
Kate was like on the set, mm-hmm. and then we had a Revengers featurette detailing what's in store for Thor, Hulk, or slash Bruce, Valkyrie, and Loki. There's also this hilarious video where um, Chris is explaining what Ragnarok is, and Mark interrupts uh, because he said Kate does it much better. <laughs> um, that one's hilarious, and there's also um, a pumpkin carving. That's right. That's between uh, Mark and Chris, mm-hmm. and then we also have a special motivational message from Kate on uh, Dreaming Big. I want Kate just to give me motivational messages through my life. <laughs> I, think, also I think I have a better life. <laughs> I feel like I just want to clip all of these video assets with Kate, and I could just like fall asleep to it. Yeah, yeah. I can feel really empowered <laughs> by morning. <laughs> <laughs> she's awesome. Also, you know, Zoe Bell. If people don't like recognize her name offhand, um, she's like this. You know, she is awesome stunt person. I think there are two biggest claims to fame where she was the stunt double for Lucy Lawless on Xena, yes. and then she was Uma Thurman's stunt double as the bride in Kill Bill. Uh, and then Quentin Tarantino, after that, started to use her a lot, but he used her as like an actress, and she played herself in Grindhouse and yes. Death Proof. <laughs> and then she's had other roles in her, his films, but also in other people's movies. So she's kind of moved more to acting, although, of course, given her background, she can do a lot of her own fight scenes. Yeah. But yeah, this is kind of a big deal that she's, you know, I say only a stunt person in quotes because it's such an integral role. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're not going to see her face in the movie. But yeah, you know. I'd be Kate Blanchett's stunt double. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty I mean, awesome. she is totally someone who, whatever career I had that I retired from, I would come out of retirement for. <laughs> that's her. right. That's right. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I could pay, probably fight as well as Zoe Bell, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I will learn. If I, if it means I help mm, out with Kate. Can we get Zoe to teach us how to fight? That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then moving over to games, uh, there's a whole lot of Thor Ragnarok taking Marvel games by storm. Uh, we got a lot going on with uh, Thor in the games world. Uh, Marvel Contest of Champions. Two new characters have been unleashed on the battle realm. They'll be familiar to you because they are Thor Ragnarok style with sort of gladiator gear going and mm-hmm. Hela. Uh, meanwhile, in Marvel Future Fight, there are three new characters, Scourge, Hemdale, and the Grandmaster. And there's also new costumes for Thor, Hela, Hulk, Valkyrie, and Loki. That's not all, though. Marvel Puzzle <laughs> Quest, uh, Thor and Hulk. Uh, they also step out with their new gladiator gear there, and they have new abilities. In Marvel Avengers Academy, there are five new characters that will also be familiar. Valkyrie, Korg, Meek, Emdale, and Grandmaster. And there's one new NPC, Hela. And there's also new looks there as well for Thor, Hulk, Black Widow, Iron Man, Falcon, and Enchantress. I will pause there to say... Korg and Meek, man, uh, they steal the show in Thor Ragnarok. I'm very excited for all things Korg and Meek. (laughs) Like if they wanted to do a spinoff, I'd be there. I know. I feel like every time I think about them, I just start cackling. So I'm just like, those are just so fun. There's such little great moments. And I was like laughing a lot at, there's a lot of like little asides Korg says that had me laughing. And I'm sure I missed a bunch. So when I see it for a second time, I will be listening closely to what Korg has to say. And then last but not least in the game world, uh, Lego Marvel Superheroes 2 will also come chock full of characters inspired by Thor Ragnarok. We got Thor, Hulk, Hela, Valkyrie, Loki, Grandmaster, and the Cronin Warrior. And that, of course, is available November 14th for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and PC. So you are definitely covered in the game side of things <laughs> with uh, lots of Ragnarok-y goodness. Exactly. And um, <laughs> this week, if... You know, November is just too far away, even though we're just days away. Um, 
you can play with the Daywalker blade yeah. as he brings his uh, very impressive abilities to a Marvel's Contest of Champions. Yeah, I'm psyched about that. I, I'm a big, big Blade fan. Uh, and so, yeah, more more Blade, the better <laughs> for me. Um, I remembered one time when I was like, it's like spring break in high school, and I was flipping through channels, and all of a sudden it was just like this, of course, 90s club scene, and all of a sudden the <laughs> sprinklers just turned to blood, and I was just all like, what am I watching? Why is this a uh, rave all of a sudden covered in blood? Is this what happens at raves? I don't know. <laughs> and that was my first uh, chance encounter with Blade. <laughs> I saw Blade uh, opening night in the theater with uh, my uh, friend and uh, IGN colleague, Matt Fowler. And we loved it. And when it was over, I remember him turning to me. I will censor myself. But he said, <laughs> that was... Uh, an excellent movie, but he didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> he said that was something awesome, and <laughs> I agreed. Uh, yeah, that was that was really, and yeah, the, the, I actually just brought up the Blood Rave because I was at Halloween Horror Nights, and I was like, they should do the Blade Blood Rave. <laughs> <laughs> nope. And bring I, Christine. <laughs> and I was I was scrolling through Twitter earlier, and they're like, this new beauty trend: uh, bloody uh, cat winged eyeliner. So instead of using regular eyeliner, everyone's like. You should make it look like you're crying blood, but also like someone cut you near your eyes. What? And I was like, this is not an everyday style. <laughs> All right. That's, that's a little weird. I mean, you know, for Halloween, you should rock that. But, you know, I don't know about just everyday walking around. Yeah, I was that. like, mm, nope, nope, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, but Blade is awesome. <laughs> so check him out in Marvel Contest of Champions. Um, on the TV side of things, uh, Humans is back with a new episode tonight on ABC where a fatal tragedy strikes the royal family. But there is a sneak peek uh, clip we've got of Corgan and Oren facing off, uh, sort of uh, a big uh, stepping up to see who's uh, the more badass fighter. So you check that out in a preview clip. And then um, we all know that you guys are waiting for Marvel's Runaways to so hit uh, Hulu you better be. um, in a couple weeks. So we have a brand new trailer that you know sheds a little more light on the Runaways of you know you know them repairing their friendships, what the you know their parents the pride is capable of. There's tons of sparkly glowing skin, uh, you know, old <laughs> lace step one, uh, tons and tons of things. And um, just really stoked that, you know, on Hulu on November 21st, it's we're uh, premiering with three episodes. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, it's like one of those things where I don't want to overhype. And at the same time, I'm so excited for Runaways. And just even watching that trailer, because I, I think I've mentioned before, it's one of my all-time favorite comics. And you watch the trailer, it's just like, oh, those are the characters. Like, yeah. that's them, All right? these you know? kids, they are the total embodiment. Of- yes. They're, you know, the comic book version. They, they look like them, and mm-hmm. they actually, like, act like them. And I'm just, like, I'm so in love with all of them. <laughs> yeah, same here. And it's got just a really cool vibe to it. I, I think people are really going to dig this show. So mm-hmm. very excited about it and that it's coming very soon. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, lastly, uh, pretty cool news as well for a little show called Marvel's Daredevil, <laughs> which is that Vincent D'Onofrio will be returning as Wilson Fisk in Season 3. Uh, you know, obviously, we, we saw him. At, we got a nice little surprise appearance from him <laughs> in Season 2. Uh, but here, uh, you know, don't. Don't know exactly how, but it looks like he'll be playing a big role again, and I'm mm-hmm. sure Matt Murdock won't be happy. 
but <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, and then behind the scenes, uh, Man of the High Castles, uh, Eric Olison will be joining the Netflix original series. He'll be the showrunner and executive producer for season three of Marvel's Daredevil. So I love D'Onofrio as Wilson Fisk. Me too. Uh, he's so good in that role. So yeah, I'm all about, you know, just cut. As much as I love Daredevil, yeah. I also love the dynamic between them. Too. Like mm-hmm. the, I'm just like I can't wait to see um, what's gonna happen. Like what their dynamics gonna be like, mm-hmm. and especially with the fall of the hand that was we saw in Defenders. Oh, yeah. Everyone's gonna make a play to be, you know, the big bad yeah. in uh, New York City. And I really <laughs> liked him in season two. Yeah, you saw like. Because he did show up again, and they got those little moments, and we just sort of said, oh, yeah, he's, he might be biding his time, but he yeah. was still, like, just so growing power, even within I know, the when he well. just, like, snapped yeah. his, like, uh, handcuffs, like, yeah. no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen Adventures of Babysitting? Yes, Thor. Thor, uh, amazing. He has this Marvel connection forever. <laughs> that more, yeah, yeah. If you've never seen, guys, Adventures of Babysitting, uh, go check out Vincent D'Onofrio, a very young Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> Yes. Playing the mighty Thor? I mean, not really, but sort of. I mean, if you watch the movie, you'll understand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, honestly, um, Metro Babysitting, when I saw it as a kid, was like a big deal for me. I mean, A, I loved it anyway. Yeah. But also because that, you know, in the movie, that the, one of the kids is so into Thor mm-hmm. and she has like her walls are like plastered with Thor. And, you know, this is back in the late 80s when like just, you know, Marvel characters weren't that prevalent in like yeah. mainstream in the way they are now. So has a kid who loved Marvel, I was like, <gasps> <laughs> oh my gosh, where do I get that helmet she has? <laughs> I know, and who knew that one day Disney and Marvel right? would be together again. I know, again. <laughs> that was a Disney-produced movie. It was all meant to be. Vincent D'Onofrio was meant to join up and officially play. <laughs> yeah, but I just love Vincent so much. I, for a long time, I was, you know, my obsession with murder and killers and all that stuff stems <laughs> from Law and & Order. Yeah. And his character in, you know, Criminal Intent was amazing. Yeah. He yeah. was like the weird cop who no one wants to be partners with. And it's like, you know, that whole like pre um, Benedict Sherlock kind of vibe. Right. It's right. just like, like analyzing the scenes and everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you mentioned when you started to say crime and murder, and I was thinking about Richard Babysitting still. I was going to say that one thing that's really funny to me as a kid, of, uh, being a kid of the 80s is if you go back to a lot of 80s movies that are basically kids' movies, including Versus Babysitting, yeah. is how much there's, like, people after them who want to kill them. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, um, they're, like, you they know, They are straight guy. up dealing with gangs in Chicago. <laughs> right, right. And that was, like, a really common thing in kids' movies back then. Yeah. It's like, they somehow, even Goonies and, like, yeah, all these movies, it's like... There was swearing. Yeah, there was swearing. Uh, there was Playboy. Criminality. Play- Playboy was... A- <laughs> Heavy feature also in Adventure Babysitting. Yes, yes it was. Yeah. Look, I'm just saying Adventure Babysitting was a very defining <laughs> yeah. film for me. And actually, I have a, I still have a poster for Adventure Babysitting <laughs> that was given to me so randomly because I lived in New York as a kid very briefly for a couple of years and I'm with my mom. And there was someone in our building who had it, who worked for not Disney, but like one of the production mm-hmm. companies involved. And my mom was talking, oh, he loves movies and blah, blah, blah. And maybe somehow Adventure Babysitting came out, but I love that movie. And so she got me a poster. <laughs> and I still have my Adventure Babysitting <laughs> poster, which is um, 
Drew Struzan, who is like the famous artist who did all the Star Wars posters yeah. and a bunch of like iconic posters, did the if you've ever seen a bunch of babysitting poster, if you haven't, Google it where they're climbing the building. Yeah. That's a that's a Drew Struzan. So yeah, D'Onofrio, Thor, Struzan. Yeah. I'm just saying. It's an amazing movie. It is. And you don't need to acknowledge the reboot. Just, <laughs> just focus no, on no, no. a true 80s. <laughs> that's right. <classic>. Yeah. <laughs> that was the day. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're going to kick it back to New York. Um, say hi to the guys for us. And we're back. All we're right. Back. Time for This Week in Marvel questions and comments. As we mentioned, this is it. use the hashtag This Week in Marvel. Send us your questions, comments, or Marvel Halloween costumes. You could also email us at twimpodcast at marvel.com. First up is Don. DJ Fenko says, This week I got to try Marvel Powers United VR at hashtag OC4, which uh, is an Oculus oh, cool. uh, event. He says, It was fun. Needed less crystal. Woo, <laughs> yeah. Tagged you in that, Ben. Get rid of that crystal. Uh, but, yes, that game is super fun. Glad you got to play it, Don. Uh, I need it. I need it now. <laughs> um, Don says, the ability to play with four people at once was a great feature. The action was solid, and the en- enemies were truly cinematic. Hulk was huge. He smashed everyone. In all the demos I saw, he was the strongest there was. Well, that's that's his thing. Yeah. And Don says, I can't wait to play at home. Agreed. Jim Radloff says, has there ever been an issue where Rachel Layton Diamondback and Willis Stryker Diamondback meet? And to the best of my knowledge, no, there is not. Just two Diamondbacks doing their own thing. Hmm. Can you think of one? No, but that's a story. War for the Diamondbacks. War of the Diamondbacks. (laughs) Joshua Cooper says, this is the week of satisfying reunions. Miss Marvel and Red Dagger, Beast and Wonder Man, Arsenic and Old Lace. Love. Love This Week in Marvel. Is that what he's saying? That's uh, <laughs> Let's assume yes. Uh, Beast, Wonder Man, Satora, no Deadpool. I sure picked the right month to restart Uncanny Avengers. Whoa. You don't like? Shots fired against DP. You don't like Deadpool. Oh my fair, fair. Just finished the This Week in Marvel NYCC dump. Yeah, that's a good word for it, I guess. <laughs> Thanks to Ben, Tucker, Christine, and Eric for your hard work. That yeah. was yeoman's Thanks, work, Tucker. Yeah. He did a great job. Oh. He meant dump in a good way. It's a good, it was a good dump. <laughs> yes. Uh, Lance Presley says, The Norman pronunciation of John was yen. Norman diminutive was kin, so a kid named John would be Jenkin. <gasps> We're getting to it. Keep on. Over time, the pronunciation dri- drifted to yakin, or yakin, which over, jackin, which over time got shortened to Jake. Whoa. But how did it get to Jack? Lance, oh, man, we're so we're close. We're so close. We, we were there's, cracking the code. There's one step missing. I didn't even realize what was going on here. So, <laughs> yeah. Lance Presley, thank you for this. Yes. Giving us a little bit of information into how John is called Jack. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which so was we've got really bugging us last week. So, yeah. from John to Jen to Jenkin to Jackin to Jake. So, who presumably we'll Jake the Thomas. Next step is Jack? We'll let him know. No, no, no need. No, yeah. he's fine. Okay. So I guess from Jake, he went to Jack. It's crazy. But like, it just 
I don't. It doesn't. It's still weird. Yeah, there's still something going on. Yeah, there's still more to be discovered. Yes. Uh, Raf says I'm six or seven episodes late on this week in Marvel. Oh, Just come heard on, the man. new West Coast theme. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Captain Rogers forty four says got my ticket for Thor Ragnarok. Really excited for this movie. Also, just saw a Black Panther trailer. It just keeps getting better. I will say, mm. if y'all are getting excited mm-hmm. for Marvel Studios' Thor Ragnarok, may I suggest you check out some of director Taiki Wati- Taika Watiti's other films, oh. particularly What We Do in the Shadows. Yep. Mm. It Absolutely. is so good. one of my favorite films of all time. Mm. It is terrific. I love that. Uh, he also did uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, mm-hmm. which is... A delight. Mm-hmm. Highly recommended. And just something, you know, like, hey, oh, I want to see what this guy's all about. Yep. Maybe see some of his performances in there. Yep. Uh, get his tone, his flavor. I think you will be rewarded even more so when you finally see Thor Ragnarok. Can I also right. suggest the film Boy that he did? I haven't seen Boy yet. Oh, I, I know, I know. I, if it, He is really kind of an auteur in that sense that he ha- he carries such a specific and just fantastic toned throughout his films and man I'm a huge fan yes alright I will have to check out boy I thank you for reminding me about that so good uh, Captain Rogers 44 says I want more Defenders this series is great though not too sure about bringing Deadpool into the fold even temporarily a lot of hate for Deadpool this week yeah what's up with that shade for Deadpool <laughs> also hope Jess and Luke have good insurance that was like the third car they've destroyed maybe Danny is covering for them yeah I would like that's that's a fair assumption I mean you got, it's, got, it's got to suck to have that like be the rich friend who yeah. is like bankrolls everyone alright here's another $30,000 go get a new car <sighs> Robert RCST Ryan I just heard they're canceling 2018 run Disney races for Disneyland that means no Infinity Gauntlet challenge sad face what are we going to do for the rest of the Infinity Gems is that all official? I haven't really heard, so I don't know. Uh, so don't take it as canon from us. Yeah. That's Robert, uh, RCS underscore T on the Twitter, uh, asking us about that. Um, I don't know. We remain hopeful. Maybe there'll be other ways where I have a call with the Run Disney team because we are going this week, mm-hmm. this year, for the challenge. We're training aplenty. I did 11 and a half miles on uh, this past Saturday. Oh, I go. feel good. It's 19 over 19.3 miles over two days is nothing. Oh, oh, what a beast. What a beast. Scott McElroy, Dr. Spidey, says, Just finished the This Week in Marvel episode previewing Lego Marvel Superheroes 2, ready to buy the game with just the mention of Spider-Ham. Yeah. No, run Disney, closing all races for 2018 in Disneyland. What about the three remaining Infinity Gems to complete the set? I I guess this came out publicly, but we've been so busy, I haven't seen seen official news. Um, I say remain hopeful. I am hopeful that there will be a way to complete the set. More news uh, as, it, as it comes together. Got it. Is it possible to get a no prize or twin points if someone explains the error away in this picture we see of uh, this pic of Peter Parker unmasking <sighs> shown in the background of a current Stark Expo in this week's Iron Man? That is a big slip-up. That is a huge no prize. Yeah, that's a big no prize. <clears throat> you know what, but, Scott? But, where's, but where is the explanation? You're asking hmm. if you can get the explanation, but then you don't explain it. Drop ball, Scott. Drops <laughs> ball. Yeah, yeah, we'll give a no prize or twin points if someone can explain that away. I think, doesn't the editor have to explain it? Oh, is you, do they just have to see it? No, I think you have to actually say, like, this is what's going on. We need to get the, the, the no full prize. lowdown from right, we'll Tom Brevoort. 
yeah, we'll go to Tom yeah, after this, absolutely. slam it down on his desk, and say, "How dare you?" <laughs> Simon Williams says, "Twim of the week for uh, October 11th, Defenders number six. I feel like I've heard Nancy's speech to Squirrel Girl in issue 25 somewhere before. Can't put my finger on it." Anybody remember what that is? No, I don't remember that. Yeah. It was a couple weeks back. So yeah. Yeah. Come on, man. We reading read 85 Sp- comics a week. <laughs> yeah, reading Spider-Man, Renew Your Vows, number 12. Once a, once the day is saved, thanks. Uh, well, once again, the day is saved, thanks to the power of friendship. Hashtag friendship so- is dope. Those t-shirts. Uh, the tone of Hulk number 11 did a complete 180 from the previous 10 issues. If this is where the book is going, it's going to take some getting used to. Not to say it was a bad comic. Where the book is going is uh, into a... Showdown with the leader, so it's going to be a very different book mm. than uh, what was initially in. But same creative team, so they uh, they will. I think they were having fun yeah. with that last issue. It was I cool. Th- I liked it. Yeah, and it's it's a very much a throwback yeah. to old school. Mm-hmm. Uh, Falcon number one was a solid issue. Didn't see that last page reveal coming. And reading Hulk number eleven, did Jen really go to the bone zone with Juggernaut? I thought it was real in Dan Slott's run that it was a Jennifer from an alternate universe that did that. Yeah, correct. Dan Hulks. Slott. Dan Slott so hated the fact that She-Hulk was hooked up with Juggernaut that he took real estate in his She-Hulk run to undo it <laughs> and retcon the hookup with Juggernaut. So that is canon. Dan Slott did that. That's that is great. Yep. <laughs> uh, that deserves a similar no prize. Yep. Well, once we get. Once once we get the bottom of all this no prize business, and start giving them out, and compliments to Simon for capitalizing bone zone. Yeah, absolutely, (laughs) just two words. Yeah, it's a place. It's a proper noun. Uh, I see people on YouTube are being jerks again, demanding the Infinity Wars trailer on every video Marvel posts. It's not that serious where you where you have to get nasty about it. Let Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther have their time first. The Black Panther trailer is everything I need right now. I'm with you on that. This is going to be the best movie Marvel Studios has done. Mm. I totally agree. I've just been, like, that second trailer that second trailer came out, it just made me watch that a ton, and then I just went back and watched the first one even more. I, I may have a relatively free day on Friday, which means the day this is coming out, which means I might be able to read the script finally. Oh! Uh, cool. Maybe. Uh, and he finishes up by saying, second this week in Marvel for the week of uh, October 11th, Squirrel Girl number 25. Nancy was the MVP of this issue. She's been the MVP for a lot of the series. 100%. Friendship is dope. And last but not least, Tech Lord Lex Pendragon says, what's the exchange rate between twin points to insider points? Hmm. Uh, we should be uh, allowed to grant points. I totally would try to get this done if there weren't actual redeemable things that you could get <laughs> and like... Because I would give everybody so many points mm-hmm. that would probably bankrupt the entire yeah. uh, insider insider system. It's a bad so, call. Um, sorry. <laughs> I wish we could. So on that sad note, yeah, we end the show. Oh, yeah. That's it. That's it. We're back next week. Twim URC holiday time. Join Yay! us, please. Please. Um, yeah, more fun things. We'll talk about them. <laughs> this is Marvel Your Universe. Thank you.